sports are back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another segment of The Couch Coach. We got quite a few things to talk about today, mostly about how sports are back. We're going to look at the MLB because if you remember a lot of what I talked about last time, I did talk about UFC because that was one of the only sports that were really on at the time. Maybe I'll mention that a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about a little bit about uh, the fight with Usman and uh, Ms. Vidal. Maybe not. I'll see how I'm feeling. But we are going to talk about the MLB because that's some of the biggest news, everything going on with the Marlins and how the MLB is not in a bubble. And then I'm probably going to also talk about, we're going to try to talk about the NFL a lot, actually, because the NFL is one of my favorite topics to talk about, but there's a lot going on with the NFL. Keenan Allen was having beef with everybody on Twitter, tagging the wrong people. Jamal Adams, huge trade with the Seahawks. Jamal Adams went to the Seahawks. We're going to talk about that, too. Hopefully for that, I'm going to bring on a self-proclaimed Seahawks expert, a good friend of mine, see what he has to say on the matter, see what he thinks about it. If it's a good deal, it's a bad deal. I, you'll find out my thoughts about it during that segment as well. But we might as well, oh, and, and the Washington football team. Both what is next, possibly what names they could have, what names do I like, and that whole scandal that's come out with how they're um, abusing women and verbally assaulting women. I want to mention that just a little bit today. There's nothing really to debate about that. I just want to to talk about it a little bit. So let's dive right in. So I'd like to start off by talking a little bit about myself, actually, and I know, I know, this might not be what you came here to hear about, but I just want to mention something that I've talked about before in my previous casts. So I've talked about how I've been working a little low budget, right? Well, guess what? Low budget no more. I now have Adobe Premiere Pro, which I actually got through my school. I mean, I think I actually have to buy it eventually, but so far, got it through my school, which is great. Uh, I wish I knew actually sooner that I could have gotten it, and I actually wish I went out and just tried to buy it sooner, because I'm working on a couple videos, one of them being about Iron Man from Avengers Endgame, and just, you know, the Avengers series, the MCU. Just working on a little fun video I've had the concept for a while about, I'm just trying to see if I can get it to to come to fruition and make it look good. It's going to take some time, I mean, mostly it's kind of just for practice, to practice editing. Hopefully you'll see that up, and I'm going to do one about Conor McGregor, because I just heard a song playing one day and I was like yo this would be sick for a Conor McGregor hype video so all that stuff I think I'm going to put on my YouTube ta- YouTube channel sorry which by the way I do have a YouTube um, usually I've thought about using it for streaming which again by the way I have a uh, streaming thing I do Twitch streaming I play video games I've been playing The Last of Us 2 and Call of Duty Warzone uh, what I'm thinking about doing is cutting down some game clips, turning them into highlights, and then posting that on the YouTube. And then any editing that I do, or maybe even my podcasts, I might cut that up. Maybe highlights in podcasts. Let's say I bring someone on and we have a really great conversation. Might show that on the YouTube as like a little clip, a little blip, and say, you know, watch the rest here. We'll see how it goes, but keep an eye out for that. Also, I said previously how I had an Xbox microphone. That, that was my microphone that I was using. It was fine sound quality-wise. But it was very annoying to have it plugged into my computer and then, you know, up around my head. I couldn't really hear my own voice if I had both of the things on because they're like noise-canceling turtle beaches. So I went out and bought myself a new podcasting microphone. Now, hopefully this sounds good. We'll see. I'm worried that right now where I'm sitting, I'm worried there might be a little bit of an echo here. So next time I might have to move back to my other room. But this was just more comfortable and convenient right now because I had a table right here. So I guess that's enough about me. Right, I just I just wanted to mention it real quick, but that's enough about me. That's enough about me. Let's talk about what you came here to hear about, and that is sports. 
First up, let's talk about the MLB because that's probably the biggest news, I would say, going around right now currently uh, because four more players from the Marlins got tested positive in total, 17 tested positive for the coronavirus. I think not all 17 are players, though. So some of them are coaches, I want to say only like a handful, like two, three, four, and the rest are players. Uh, four individuals actually consented to the Marlins and allowed for their name to be shared. Um, this is per CBS MLB. Uh, catcher Jorge Alfaro, outfielders Garrett Cooper and Harold Ramirez, and pitcher Jose Urena, they all tested positive for the coronavirus. So this has caused a lot of uh, ripple, uh, kind of like a ripple effect, you know, through the MLB. And that has been that not only has the have the Marlins now been postponed, but so have the Yankees and Phillies as well, and the Orioles too, because the Marlins are supposed to play the Orioles. Uh, right now, I believe the Marlins are still in Philadelphia. Uh, they were going to go home to Miami to play the Orioles, but they got it while they were in Philadelphia, so they haven't been able to leave yet. They were supposed to play yesterday, I believe, for the home opener, or maybe it was supposed to be t- today, today, so yesterday or today. They were supposed to leave last night, but they weren't allowed to leave because of the COVID. So far, no Phillies have it, which is a good sign. I think one worker inside the Philly Stadium has it, but so far, no players have it. And I hope all these people end up fine too. Hopefully, it's just asymptomatic or the symptoms aren't bad at all. I, you know, hopefully they they all stay healthy. Hopefully they all stay healthy. But now the Phillies were supposed to play the Yankees, so until the Yankees find out whether or not the tests are positive for the Phillies, they're gonna have to wait it out. So they don't even know if they're gonna play tomorrow. They were supposed to play yesterday, but now they don't even know if they're gonna play tomorrow. And it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the rest of the MLB because if this keeps happening, I mean, I think their their thought is they're just going to manage it. But it's a lot harder to manage it when it's teams because, I mean, let's think about the UFC who have managed it very well. We'll talk about the NBA soon too and how they managed it. But first let's talk about the UFC because I think they managed it the best out of everyone, but that's because they had the easiest chance to manage it, which is, you know, UFC is mostly an individual sport. I mean, you, there's, the, there's the fighter. And then there's his team of, like, a few people. Uh, mostly, though, it's just, like, him, the coach, assistant coach, maybe uh, some kind of medical trainer, some kind of medical staff. There's usually, like, four or five, six of them on the side of the octagon. That's a lot easier. If a player or a fighter or his coach gets COVID, it's so much easier to just pull him out and, boom, replace him with another fighter. Right? I mean, that's what we saw happen with uh, with Usman. Usman was supposed to fight a different fighter. Uh, that fighter got COVID-19. And they pulled Ms. Vidal, Ms. Vidal in. Ms. Ms. Vidal, sorry. They pulled Ms. Vidal in uh, last second, I think like a week before. Uh, he had like no knowledge, maybe two weeks before. He had like such a small time out the train. He was down for it though because that's just who he is. But th- that's what I mean though. They have the easiest opportunity to like pull someone. Even if, let's say, there's an undercard that gets the coronavirus like the day of the fight. It's so easy to just pull it and pull the fight all together. You know, I, I just think that they've had uh, they've managed it really well, and I think at first people had their gripes with the way that they were managing it. But I think all in all, I think what Dana White's doing, and the way that he's bought like Fight Island, you know, I think that made it easier to quarantine everybody. They know it's it's safe out there. Everybody who is out there doesn't have it, and they can test people before they come there. And I think I believe Fight Island is outside sometimes, right? I think sometimes inside, but I think they have it outside as well. But yeah, now let's go back to the MLB. So basically what I was saying is, you know, UFC handled it well. Now, the MLB is a whole other scenario because not only 
are you concerned about whole teams traveling? Okay, you're, you're worried about like the amount of travel, right? So like, this, this is what I'm trying to say, sorry. The NBA doesn't have to worry about travel. They have to worry about whole teams, but they, what they don't have to worry about is travel. They stay in one set location where they know nobody else has it. They constantly test all the time. That's very safe. Well, all right, let's not get carried away. It's safer than the MLB. The UFC, as I said, only has to worry about one person or a small team, let's say six people. And they only travel, and you know, I'm just thinking about this now too, they only travel, let's say, what, maybe once every three months, and that's that's probably a short amount of time. It's usually more than that. They usually fight every, like, I want to say like three months, four months, five months, six months, around that time. Uh, some players don't fight for even longer than that. So they don't even have to worry about players all the time going across, back and forth, back and forth. So the MLB, though, is like the worst part of those two leagues, which is the travel aspect of the UFC, because you got to worry about traveling all the time, and the team aspect of the NBA and the NHL. They have to worry about all these players and how they're traveling. So that's like extremely dangerous. Now, I think the best bet for the MLB would have been to do a bubble format. Um... Like, we, like I said, the, that's what the NBA is doing. It seems to be working well so far. I mean, look, it, it probably does suck, right, to be an athlete in one of these bubbles because you can't go home to your family. You can't be at your house. But, I mean, if, if you want to play the game, I don't really see any other option to get around that. You're gonna, I mean, these, these leagues and these players are finding all kinds of ways to try to cope with COVID-19. And it's concerning. And I really don't know how the MLB is going to handle this uh, if this keeps happening. Because this can't keep happening. I mean, we're, you're putting players at risk as is. And real quick, as I thought about that, let's just talk about David Price yesterday, who tweeted. And let me find this real quick. So I'm just going to keep talking as I um, search Twitter for this tweet. Actually, I should have had it ready. Sorry about that. But the MLB can't let this keep going. <clears throat> Sorry. The MLB can't let this keep going because like, if this does, how many players are being put at risk? What happens if a player, God forbid, God forbid, what if a player becomes really, really ill from this thing and does, which that could happen. That could certainly not happen. I mean, a lot of these players are very healthy. It seems that COVID mostly affects people who are, have previous health conditions or are not very healthy or older. And that doesn't really, the players never don't really fit into any of those categories. But again, you don't really want to take that chance. You know, you don't really want to take that chance and put someone's life at risk. So I saw the other day that they were ready, people were ready, like, oh, is the MLB is going to get canceled. Um, you know, they're going to have to postpone the season again. Um, I just don't see that happening. That just doesn't seem realistic to me. I feel as though the MLB has took all this time to, to actually come to an agreement. People were already mad as it is, and it took them so long to come to an agreement. I don't think they're going to want to postpone it. They put a lot of work into it and into figuring it out and doing all this stuff. And baseball's back. It's going to be a bad image if baseball, baseball comes back for a week and gets taken down right away. Uh, I think they would rather fight through and try to manage it, like I said, than actually postponing it. And now I actually have the David Price tweet up. And the reason I'm saying this is just because it has to do with when I mentioned uh, player health and safety and how players could get it. And hopefully it doesn't, you know, it's not really dangerous for any of them. But this is what David Price said. David Price opted out, by the way, because he was worried about player safety and he didn't want to bring COVID home to his family. So he didn't really think the MLB was safe enough. So I just want to read real quick what he tweeted 
yesterday, around 1 o'clock, when all this stuff was coming out about the Marlins getting the COVID-19. So he says, now we really get to see if the MLB is going to put players' health first. Remember when Manfred said players' health was paramount? He put paramount, all caps, with question mark, and an exclamation point. So he's really trying to make a point here. He's telling you, he said it was paramount. Anyway, let me keep reading. Sorry. Part of the reason I'm at home right now is because players' health wasn't being put first. I can see that hasn't changed. Now, this is kind of like an, oh, I told you so kind of moment, which, I mean, he does have the right to say it because it seems that players are getting sick and that's what he was concerned about. But I think personally, it was a little low. It was just kind of like, like, and I told you so, you know, you guys are all, you know, I I think he was mostly coming at the league and, and Manfred, obviously. But, hey, I think he has some grounds to speak on. I mean, do I think he's wrong? No. But I just think it was kind of like a little low to do an I told you so. But I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong necessarily. I think players' healths do need to be put first. I do wish that they did a bubble format. I think that would have been the best bet. Do it at some spring training facilities. That would have been the smartest thing to do in my opinion. But I'm sure fans would have been mad about that. Uh, Fans want baseball to be played in their actual stadiums. Like, this is what I'm thinking, like, Basketball, it was easy. You know, they could plop up little basketball courts inside these conference, big conference rooms in the Orlando resorts and set all that up. And NHL, I mean, I think they're going right to the playoffs, which I talked about last time. They are going right to the playoffs. So it's kind of easy for them to really space out the games for the playoffs into like two or three different stadiums. But when it comes to baseball, baseball plays series. They play, yeah, they play a series against a team. I think that makes it a lot more difficult because it's a lot harder to space out. Also, baseball is not going right into the playoffs. Baseball is going into like a season thing, the 60-game season. So I think that makes it a lot more difficult to try and space out this stadium usage because let's say you go down there, you have three stadiums or two stadiums even, three, four, whatever. Okay, you got a couple of those. It's going to be hard to space out the series because I guess you could do one in the morning, one at night, then do it by day. I mean, I guess it's certainly possible, but that would be a lot of cramming, a lot of moving around. And I think it just would be pretty difficult to try to cram in the baseball that needs to be played. Anyway, it's be a lot harder to fit in this, the, the season that they need to before the postseason comes if they were playing on a certain amount of fields. I also think, like I said, it has to do with fans too. I mean, I think fans would be causing a whole uproar. I mean, let's think about the NFL. NFL is going to be the hardest one, I think. There's no way they can go to a bubble. There's, I don't see how that's possible. I mean, maybe the players could at their respective uh, facilities, but they're going to have to travel. I mean, there's, it's not like, you know, you can have like six football fields together like you can NBA courts and just have them all inside somewhere. You, you have to have the big open space for a football field. So for that, they're going to have to use their stadiums. I know the NFL – just to go on off a little bit of an NFL tangent here, the NFL, the players were complaining about player safety and that there wasn't enough player safety and that, you know, the owners need to be more considerate. There should be no preseason games. Well, that actually came to fruition. That happened. The owners listened better than Rob Manfred did uh, to the MLB players. So now the NFL, thankfully, is going to be played, hopefully, safely. Uh, they start camp today. I think rookies start attending camp today. That's why I saw a bunch of rookies getting their uniforms and stuff. I know at least for the Raiders. I don't know what it's like for other teams. I'm pretty sure they're starting to. I know the Raiders definitely are, though, because 
I think I think all the teams are, but I know Raiders are because Vegas they're a lot more lenient out there with uh, the COVID stuff. Like you can walk around a casino and gamble in a casino, and the players have been practicing like all the time out in the field. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But that's basically my thoughts on the MLB. Um, hopefully this doesn't happen all season. If it does, I don't I don't see how they're going to be able to play. It, like I said, you know UFC it's easy to pull somebody out, but the MLB. I just don't see how they're going to – I hope they don't postpone the season because that would be a bad look. And I hope they don't cancel the season because that would be an even worse look. But at the same time, I don't want them to force players to play who are getting COVID-19. So hopefully Rob Manfred makes the right decision, which, hey, he probably won't because he's Rob Manfred. But we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to find out about that. So let's jump right into the NFL. I actually want to segue into the NFL news that I want to talk about using the coronavirus. So, one of the biggest news stories coming out today is that more and more New England Patriots, six so far, in fact, six, have opted out of the 2020-2021 season. Hmm. Interesting. I know what you're thinking. Hopefully, if you're, if you're a Pats fan, you're probably thinking, hopefully it's just some bench guys, right? I mean, like, you know, hopefully it's some guys we don't really use, right? Well, sorry to bust your bubble, pal, but this is who signed out so far, opted out. Pro Bowl linebacker, Dante Hightower, one of the biggest pieces of the New England defense. And their starting right tackle, Marcus Cannon, who's pretty solid. He's a pretty good right tackle. Also who opted out is Brent Bolden, the running back, their fullback, Danny Vitale, and offensive lineman, Nahi Toron. Patrick Chung, the cokehead himself, became the sixth Patriot to opt out today. Could this be an elaborate scheme by Bill Belichick to try and sign the one and only pass-rushing, usually-hurt monster that is Jadavion Clowney. No, I don't think so. I think that'd be a little insane. I mean, listen, hey, anything's possible with Bill Belichick, right? I think he's always got a plan in place. He's like uh, Darth Sidious. That's what, I always, that's what I always envisioned Bill Belichick as in my mind, is Darth Sidious, like, sitting at his little throne. He's like, hey, hey, hey. bow You know, something like that. Something insane. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's just, like, pulling the strings... I am New England, you know, doing some nuts stuff like that. Uh, uh, yeah, but I don't know. That'd be insane if that actually came out to be true, that it was Shadavion that he was trying to get for, and he's like, yo, yo, you guys can step down. I just don't think it would be these players. Like, if Bill actually was trying to do it, it would be uh, it would be like Dante Tower and stuff. It would probably be some other players. I mean, who, who knows, though? Maybe Bill knows his linebackers, and he's like, yeah, well, this guy. Alright, he's the next down to Hightower. And he's a couple million less. Nah, I'm just kidding, though. This is a telling sign, though. I want to see how, if more and more players are going to follow this this idea of opting out. I don't really know if it's idea, but this trend of opting out. It's not like a, you know, popular trend. I'm just uh, just saying, like, maybe more of them are going to do this. And I could certainly see that happening. Especially ones who might have a health condition. One player I could see, I wonder if, is actually a Raiders player. Maurice Hurst, because Maurice Hurst slipped a fourth round to the fourth round of the draft. That's why the Raiders got him, because he had a heart condition. So I wonder if some players like that who have like maybe a heart condition or some kind of asthma, like I know Von Miller, I'm pretty sure has asthma. Uh, I wonder if players like that are going to decide to opt out. That's going to be interesting to see if they do decide to indeed opt out. Um, one player that did actually is one that I'd like to talk about real quick. It's uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. He's a guard from the Kansas City Chiefs. He was actually the first one 
to opt out. And he did it to, because I think he's a, he's an MD, he's a doctor. Yeah, he's a doctor. So I think he's he's not doing it because of the health thing, really. I think he's doing it because he actually wants to use his medical degree to actually help people, which is great. Like, that's awesome, man. I think that should be something that more people should kind of hear about, you know. Um, I'm looking right now, though. There's actually quite a few more people who have opted out of this season. One of them is Star Lutelele. You know, he's kind of gone down a little bit. Yeah, okay, this is it. This is exactly what I was talking about. Lutelele was diagnosed with a heart condition at the NFL Scouting Combine before he was drafted. So this is per Frank Schwab um, for Yahoo Sports, just so you know. If you want to go read this little little article, he has a whole list. I'm just looking at it right now because I'm pretty curious to know who the other ones were. I remember reading this next one, which was the Bears. Uh, Eddie Goldman, their nose tackle, opted out, which that could be some kind of health condition too. I don't know. Or he could have just felt like he you know, didn't feel safe. But the Star Lele one's interesting because I feel like more players who have a condition like that might decide to. I mean, some players might just want to play. I mean, they just want to might want to get right back into it. Um, so we'll see what happens. That I could definitely see more and more players opting out, though. And I wonder if enough players opt out. Like, what are teams going to do? Like, for the Bears now, um, Eddie Goldman was, like, one of their star defensive tackles. Like, what are they going to do? I mean, you think about the Bills. Bills have a lot of guys that could bump up. But the Bears, on the other hand, I mean, yeah, they have Cleo Mack, you know. But I wonder if they're going to decide. Like, I wonder who they're going to fill the – the spots with is what I'm trying to say, and I wonder how many teams are going to have to deal with issues like this too where somebody's going to opt out and they're going to have to try to try to bump them up, try to bump up somebody else. One thing that I will say is pretty disappointing about this season is the fact that there is no preseason. Now, I'm not saying that in the sense that I like to watch the preseason, and I understand why it's canceled, which is fine. I'm fine with it being canceled. I just think it's kind of sad for – Rookies who were in the 5th, 6th, 7th round picks or rookies who were picked or uh, undrafted, excuse me, undrafted. Because now I feel like a lot of those players who otherwise might have gotten a, a chance to really explode in the preseason and show their, their talents are not going to get that opportunity anymore. And that's really sad. That's really sad. I mean, one of the ones that jumps to mind right now is, is Alec Ingold from the Raiders. I'm choosing Raider examples because that's – that just comes to mind immediately. I know a lot of the storylines there. Alec Ingold was an un undrafted free agent. Picked him up, fullback, and he actually took the job from Jameez Olawale. And I feel like now there could be how many players like Alec Ingold? So many, so many players like Alec Ingold who would have otherwise made the roster and really flashed their skills, who now are not going to have that chance to, and that could be their career. I mean, this could go for anybody, too, you know, with jobs and stuff. How many people were supposed to get promoted or get a job, and now they don't have that chance to. But it's just something sad to see. Um, hopefully, a lot of these players will get a chance to. But I feel like, more than likely, coaches will stick with the players that they have than taking a chance on a player that they don't really know, which is sad, and that sucks. And hopefully, a lot of these guys will get their chance to shine over these practices over the course of the next, what, month? That's really not a lot of time for the NFL. I mean, usually they start in early July, late June. Um, they really don't have a whole lot of time now to get into it, but we'll see. Without preseason, hopefully, 
some teams will be able to practice more. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the NFL season. It might even get canceled. They're talking about fans. They're talking about having fans there. I don't know. I don't know if that's – that's probably not going to happen. I don't even really know why they're talking about it. I mean, maybe, maybe in states where it's not that bad, um, maybe situations like Vegas. or. But the only thing I think of is kind of like my thought of everything going on in Florida – which is Florida opened, and then how many people went to Florida because they didn't want to be in a state like New Jersey, New York that was shut down? How many people went there and then got COVID or brought COVID with them? Like, is that going to happen with these other states that, let's say, open the seats up for people in the stadium and allow people to come? Like, how many fans are going to come from all over because they want to actually see a football game in person, and then they're going to spread the coronavirus all over the place and it's going to be the outbreak? I don't know. This is just a mess, and we need a vaccine, and hopefully it comes soon. Because uh, this is getting a little exhausting now because there's so much people going against each other with politically and so many states are making different decisions that contradict each other. And I don't I don't know. I'm just this stuff's got to end, man. This stuff's got to end. But. Yeah, I mean, that's that's mostly I think everything going on with the NFL coronavirus was so. We'll see what happens in the next few weeks, though. And we'll see what happens over camp, actually. Maybe more players might get it at camp, which is horrible. Hopefully not. We'll see if that actually does happen. So now I think what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to see if I can bring Sean Courtney on here. Self-proclaimed Seahawks expert, Seahawks fan. We're going to get his thoughts on Jamal Adams. We're going to talk about it. We're going to see what happens. I don't know. I don't know if I'll agree with him. I don't know if he'll agree with me. Stay tuned to find out. So now I'm joined by so-called Seahawks expert, Sean Courtney. Sean, so-called, so-called. What are you talking about? So-called. so-called. I am. I am the Seahawks expert. That is true. You're the only from Seahawks. New Jersey. I'm a Seahawks <laughs> fan from New Jersey. Isn't that something? Isn't it's, that quirky? It's, Isn't that cool? I think it's pretty unique. Um, you're about yeah. I, one of fifty that I know. Uh, no, I'm kidding. You're the only right. one I know. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. For you're sure. special. And I, I'm happy to be on the on the show here. Uh, I'm happy to have you. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always glad to be here with you, Connor. This is always a good time. Um, I know. This is literally the first time we have done this, but it feels like we've been doing this forever. And I think I think this is this is the beginning of forever between us. For those of right. you who don't know, uh, we have some history doing podcasts. Go check out uh, Rooming with Bane. It's quite eccentric, quite unique. It's not really a podcast about anything except being stupid. Rooming with Bane down in the <laughs> description below. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a link in the description. You can check that out. Your Click right time. here to check out Roman Bane. Make sure you hit the bell button. Little ding action. Subscribe. Thanks, guys. Um, but no, we also tried to do supporting popcorn pod, podcasts from time to time. Quite fun. Yeah. So check that out if you haven't done that. But what we're here to talk about today is something different. Something we haven't really covered through our podcast, mm. and that is sports. sports. And there's a reason I brought on Sean, who is a not only an NFL expert, but as he said, a real Seahawks all right. expert. All right, all right, all right. A Seahawks Take expert. We're going to talk about something that uh, happened recently this week, pretty huge, and it involves the Seahawks. So Jamal Adams was finally traded to the Seahawks. It happened earlier this week. For, the, for those of yep. you who don't know, I'm just going to do a quick recap of it. So Jamal Adams has constantly been butting heads with Adam Gase. It's been going on since earlier this uh, past season. Jamal Adams and Adam Gase and some of the executives were button heads because when the trade deadline was coming up, 
the executives and Adam Gase had told Jamal Adams he wouldn't be traded. And then apparently they shopped him and that really pissed him off. And since then, things have kind of just been boiling over and getting worse and worse and worse. Finally, he was traded this past week to the Seahawks. Now, I'm just going to read the haul and what each team got. So the Jets received safety Bradley McDougal. Pretty solid safety. He's not bad. A 2021 first round pick, a 2021 third round pick, and a 2022 first round pick. That's a lot of stuff that they got. A lot of stuff. And in exchange, the Seahawks received Jamal Adams and a 2022 fourth rounder. Now, I know what you're thinking. It seems like a maybe a little bit much. I don't know. Sean, first of all, let me ask you, how do you feel about this trade? And I want to know how much you think it will impact the Seahawks defense and maybe can it revive the now lost Legion of Boom? Could this be the second coming, the Legion of Boom 2, the sequel? Right. So when I, when I first heard the news, uh, a buddy of mine, Reese, had texted me, Jamal Adams to Seattle. Um, I was like, all right, like, stop. You're, you're, you're lying. Because, um, you know, I, I, I figured, you know, he's he, – he's known that I've wanted this to happen for like a year and a half now. So I open up Twitter and, you know, lo and behold, it happened. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know how other Seahawks fans really reacted to it, but when I saw like the picks, I saw two first, uh, a third and Bradley McDougal, it never crossed my mind that that was a lot because we got Jamal Adams. It never really occurred to me that it was that it really, really didn't. Cause I, I, I expected it to an extent. Um, my prediction was close. It was two first and McDougal. Um, that's what I thought because I said, well, we're not going to keep Bradley. He's, you know, going to be replaced by Adams. There's no reason to keep him. I think he's on a contract here. Um, but yet two first round picks would be it. Um, and yeah, the third sucks. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a lot of draft capital, but we got a guy that, you know, we believe is going to change our, our, our culture there. And, or at least revive it. Um, you know, we've been trying to get safeties the past couple of years. We obviously got Bradley McDougal. We traded for Quandre Diggs. We drafted Marquise Blair last year. This has been a growing trend. And we want to, you know, build this secondary, build this defense uh, through the safety spot. And, you know, whether or not you believe the safety position is uh, a value, uh, you can't deny that it's worked in Seattle in the past. And I think that's what they're trying to go for. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm stoked. I wanted this unrealistically, uh, for about a couple of years. And I then that. I know that, uh, when the trade deadline happened last year and they were taking calls and the Cowboys almost got in, um, realistically, I started wanting him. And that's why I tweeted about it so much. Cause I'm like, okay, wait, this is a deal that John Schneider can make. Um, I know it's hindsight, but do I wish we made that trade at the deadline? Yeah. Um, who knows what could have happened afterwards? Uh, who knows if we could have, you know, beaten the Packers or whatever. We could have gotten number one seed. I think he is a game changer, even at the safety position. Um, but, you know, again, it's hindsight. And now that we got him, uh, yeah, I'm stoked. I think it's going to change his team. And, you know, obviously Quentin Dunbar, it's pretty uncertain what the hell's going to happen to him. Mm. Um so to have him, uh, you know, if we have him or not, I still think Jamal is going to be a huge game changer. And, you know, him and Quandre Diggs are really tight and they're really good friends and they've always wanted to play with each other. So now they get to, um, you know, Shaq Griffin is said to have, I think he's going to end up being one of the better corners uh, in the league after the season. Like last, he, 
his rookie year was really good, standout. He was a third-round pick, really impressed people. Had a sophomore slump, really just inconsistent play his second year. Yeah. And then last year, he really showed some growth. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he does. So, yeah, Seattle's I, – I think, you know, we're obviously trying to – bring back what once was we got Bruce Irvin back Benson Mayo uh a lot of you know former players in that regard so we're actually trying to revitalize you know the defense and try to bring back that legion of boom which I you know personally I don't know if that's the direction we should take you know as in we should make you know try to bring back legion of boom I just think we need uh a, a solid defense and I think that includes having a good tackling defense uh you know I'd say uh, two seasons ago, we could not make any tackles. Like I specifically remember just missing so many tackles to make crucial moments, um, even with Bobby Wagner on the team and getting Jamal Adams, uh, drafting Jordan Brooks in the first round, a really great tackling linebacker. Uh, I, I think like making additions like that, Quandre Diggs, I mean, he's such a skilled tackler. I think that's what really makes me excited about this team. Uh, especially in the division with uh, the 49ers, one of the best run teams in the league. Uh, we really needed that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for this trade, uh, and I can't wait to see him out there. And I think it, it – in my book – and it sucks because I am biased. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think we're the best team in the NFC now. Yeah, so there's a couple things there that you said that I actually I want to I just want to mention branch off of comment on. First of all, I love Quandre Diggs. I think he's a super underrated player. Uh, we we saw how much of an impact he made on the defense of the Lions when he was on the team. And I know a friend of mine who's a big Lions fan. Very sad to see him go, but I thought that was a great move by the Seahawks to go out and get yeah. Quandre Diggs. Also, Shaq Griffin is a fantastic player. I love him. When you mention defenses and tackling. That's something I just want to mention real briefly is that I feel as though tackling is somewhat of an underrated and underappreciated aspect of a defense. You know, everybody loves the flashy stuff, the sacks, the interceptions, the pass blocks. And I feel like people a lot of time forget about tackling. And I just seeing something like a tackle for a loss or even a tackle for line of scrimmage, tackle after two yards, nice wrap up is something that goes very underappreciated. Just like, you know, someone like, I mean, Bobby Wagner is super appreciated. He's regarded as one of the best in the league. But I feel like a lot of good tacklers are sometimes overlooked because they don't have the flashy stat of a sack or an interception. But they are fantastic. I would also like to talk about Jamal Adams now. I'm going to shift over to that. I think what he's going to be for the Seahawks is what Cam Chancellor was. And I think that's that's why they got him. It's a great fit. He'll, he'll have the ability to mostly play safety, but he also has the ability, if necessary, to slide down, kind of play – uh, linebacker you know he has the ability to really hit people he's got that captain mentality almost he's, he's somewhat of a good leader now I will say though I do believe I think he the, the trade was a little much in my opinion just the two first round actually maybe even the third now if, if they just gave let's say two firsts and uh, McDougal that's fine but I think the Jets I think both both teams somewhat won this trade because Jamal Adams time was clearly up in New York, he didn't want to be there, and it didn't really seem like anybody was getting along. Jets got everything they wanted, and the Seahawks got everything they wanted. I think I give the – like, so, you know what I'm saying? They both win. I think I give the edge, though, a little bit to the Jets just because of how much draft capital they were able to build from that, a third and two firsts, and they were able to kind of – like, it's not Jamal Adams, but they were able to get a safety replacement for now, which is really good. So I thought, it was, like I said, a win-win for both teams. 
and I, I, I thought, I thought, I think overall though, as I said, a little too much was given by the Seahawks to the Jets. And I feel as though I don't really know how to feel about Jamal Adams. Sometimes I love him. I love how he plays, but his personality sometimes turns me off a little bit. Now I know he's not completely to blame for what happened in New York because Adam Gase is a horrible coach and Jets aren't really run very well. But I, I didn't really like how all the time he was trying to air his dirty laundry, uh, the dirty laundry of the Jets on Twitter. And what mostly comes to mind was during the trade deadline when he said they said they wouldn't trade me and now they apparently were shopping me. And I get where he's coming from because I think I would be hurt too if I, my team told me, hey, we're going to keep you around for a long time. We want you to be a part of this team forever. And then they just go around and kind of stab me in the back and go for it. My only thing is that I feel like when it comes to the NFL, it is a business and it's always going to come down to what is best for the team, ways to improve. Top players are always going to be shopped unless you're Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, 10 year guy, he's probably never going anywhere Mm. or Tom Brady who, well, I mean, he is on a different team now. I mean, he didn't get traded, but top players I feel like are always going to be shopped or at least conversations are going to go on. Like they're not going to always be shopped, but conversations are always going to be happening about trades and stuff, stuff like that. But, Sean, I want to know your opinion on that is the whole situation between Jamal Adams and the Jets. I, like I said, I don't think Jamal's completely to blame, but I'm just not 100% locked in on his personality. Right. So I, from, from, the, from the start, was on his side. And, again, this is months and months before he's a Seahawk. And it was mainly because uh, the fact that or not that it's been confirmed, but pretty much that Joe Douglas had promised or had alluded to Adams that a contract extension was, was to be talked about and that they would talk about it. And apparently that didn't happen, uh, especially after being shopped or taking calls. And I get it from a GM perspective, you're taking calls, uh, you know, you obviously want to keep the player, but if you get a crazy deal, how are you going to deny it? Uh, problem is, at least what I had with that um, was – like, I mean, I'm not a GM. I can't really speak to that, but uh, he's the captain of your defense and arguably one of the best young players in the entire league uh, going. I think he's in his uh, third year last year. Um, it is pretty wild, uh, especially for a Jets team who was, I mean, defensively was looking like they had a really bright future. Um, and I think his, his beef with them was, Hey, you promised me a contract extension. I know it's early. I know it's not common for that to happen, but you did. And you just, we, you never acted on it. Um, and look, I think, you know, his comments about Gase recently and saying how he has lost the locker room and how he gets assistant coaches to handle locker room disputes, uh, I believe him because it's Adam Gase. Um, I think that's one of the worst coach signings the past couple of years. Yeah. I really, I just, and Jet fans agree. That's, and I'll, we'll get to that later about the rivalry aspect of, you know, what, what sparked from this trade. But mm-hmm. uh, I believe in that sense. Could he, Adams have handled it better? Yes. Um, I agree to an extent that he was a bit uh, too vocal on Twitter about it. 
the National Football League is becoming a bit more, uh, you know, player based. They have a bit more freedom, a bit more independence. Uh, kind of like the NBA, we've seen players make brands for themselves and being able to control where they go and contracts and uh, teams and owners and GMs have to get with that. And I think the NFL is, is gearing towards that, especially Mahomes getting half a billion dollars. Which um, is ridiculous. Yeah, Jesus. yeah. Ridiculous. And they have to under, you know, they have to understand value. And I think they handled the Adams situation poorly. And you know, Joe Douglas just came out a couple of days ago saying that uh, Adams lied uh, about him promising contract extension. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I side with Adams because, uh, especially with the gay aspect of it, because I don't think that's something you lie about. Um, because he has said before he wanted to stay in New York, and he obviously was hurt by the trade talks, by being talked about. And uh, obviously, you know, if they said that they would talk about contract extension and they just ignored it, then yeah, I'd be pissed too. And, you know, especially with Gase as the head coach, an offense-heavy coach, uh, on a team that doesn't really seem to be moving. I mean, when you hire Adam Gase as your head coach, uh, you're not – your intent really isn't to win, at least in my book. If you see what he did in Miami – um, they were in a limbo for quite some time. They were eight and eight, nine and seven, made a wild card once, lost. Uh, just there was no hope. He didn't ignite hope in that team. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, he's commented saying that Adam Gase doesn't have a hold of the locker room, isn't a leader. Uh, he got hired to Miami based on the fact that he coached Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning was in his late 30s, right? Was in his prime, was Peyton Manning. Uh, not trying to discredit Adam Gase entirely, but when you have Peyton Manning, yeah, he's going to make you look good. He's goddamn Peyton Manning. Um, One of the best, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the Tannehill thing didn't work out. He was hurt a lot, and uh, the Jets said, hey, yeah, let's make him you know, our head coach, and I think that was a ridiculous signing, and, uh, and now they pay the price, and you know, obviously hi- you know, firing their GM after drafting, I think it was 2018, they fired their GM after he made the draft picks and then they hired Joe Douglas. It's like, wait, why wouldn't you just fire him before the draft? So they, their previous GM drafted for them and then they decided to fire him. It makes absolutely no sense. Sorry yeah. for his name. Uh, yeah. Jets management. It hasn't been good. Uh, I actually like Joe Douglas. Um, partially, but I think this move, is it good for this? Yes. If, they get rid of Gase. I don't think there's any future of Gase. I don't think there's any hope. I don't think the Jets win this trade in the slightest if Adam Gase is their head coach. It's just not It's not going to happen. I mean, he – when they – what was it? I'm just not trying to get off topic too much, but when they talk about Le'Veon Bell, mm. uh, I think – I was going to bring that up, actually, yeah. Yeah, and, and Gase was complacent and said – and pretty much said he didn't really want the signing to happen. You know, um, you know what's you know what's interesting about that actually real quick is that you yeah. know Gase said he didn't want the signing to happen and one of the first people to come and actually defend the Jets this past week uh, about the whole Jamal Adams leaving and it was actually Le'Veon. Um, for those of you that, like, did you see his tweet? Did you no. hear what he said? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read it real quick. So Le'Veon Bell uh, tweeted out after the trade. So first of all, he says coup. And he does like a thumbs up. Then he goes, people do all the hooting and hollering to get you brought yeah, in. I saw just that. To yeah. Leave. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jamal Adams said noted, see week 14. And then Le'Veon kind of went off on that. But I think it's interesting because Le'Veon was butting heads with the executives and with Adam Gase. And he's the first one mm-hmm. to come and defend, which is interesting. I do feel like – I just feel like this whole situation is such a mess. And I feel like both sides 
do have their issues. Like, I don't think Adam Gase is a great coach at all. But I like like you were saying, and like I was saying, he could have done it a better way, Jamal Abs. He, he could have. But I just think there was so much hostility that was been growing for quite some time. And I mm-hmm. just think the, the Jets needs to get some some new management. I know they only got Adam Gase recently. But like you said, they don't really have a future until Adam Gase is gone. Yeah. And, and you know, I think uh, it is interesting here, Le'Veon, talk like that, considering he held out for an entire year. Mm-hmm to get a lackluster contract. I'm oh, not trying to beef with him, but I mean, that's just hypocritical. No doubt. Hypocritical. No yeah. Doubt. And, and you know, I, I look, I get it. It sucks the way he had to leave. And I, and I bet a lot of Jets players are not happy with Jamal, but uh, it happens. And, you know, he, he was the captain for a reason. I mean, people question his leadership now and his integrity. Uh, I remember when he, the 2017 draft, that was the first year I actually started really getting into the draft and studying mm-hmm. it. And the number one thing a scout said about Jamal, the one common denominator was that he is one of the best leaders uh, we have seen come through the draft in a, while, in a very long time. Um, and I think that's what made me excited, obviously, for this trade. And I think he'll fit the mold in Seattle really well. And uh, Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm really excited for it. I think two firsts is a lot. Um, John Schneider, in an interview a couple of days ago, you know, he was asked, uh, how do you think you know, the collegiate season, if it's not played, is like how do you address that going to the draft? Like how are you going to draft without seeing the college players play? And he said, well, first you can trade two first-round picks and a third. Joking around. So at least he has a bit of like uh, self-awareness in that oh, regard because yeah. he loves yeah. drafting. Uh, you know what though? I, I I do trust the process, and I'm not going to be a Seahawks fan that says, well, we would have wasted the first-round picks anyway. Um, I agree that our first-round picks haven't been great lately, but people are already labeling Jordan Brooks as a bust. He hasn't touched the field yet. They're labeling LJ Collier bust. I'm going to give him another year because he was real with injuries early on. Didn't get a lot of playing time. So I want to see how he develops this next year. Uh, but yeah, I'm not writing them off yet, but. And you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't. Until you, know. you see them touch the field, you shouldn't write anybody right. off like that. I think but, it means you know, that's, that's how fans are. But. That's how fans are. That. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to justify and rationalize everything. Oh, well, we wouldn't spend a minute. Well, anyway, we won the trade. It's like, well, I'm not going to look at it that way. I'm looking at it as we got a, a potential hall of famer. Right. I mean, that's how I see Jamal Adams. I mean, just an absolute monster on the field, an incredible box safety, uh, but definitely more versatile and people getting mm-hmm. credit for. I, I've seen people say Derwin James is, is you know, Jamal Adams is not on Derwin James's level because he's not as versatile. Uh, Jamal Adams played everywhere. I mean, he played literally edge, linebacker, free safety, strong safety. Uh, I mean, you just can't make that shit up. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a, he has potential to be a generational talent at safety. And the biggest, you know, uh, drawback that people took from it or, you know, we're saying is, Oh, he's safety. It's not a valuable position. It's not going to win you games. Uh, I disagree as a Seahawk fan, having gone through Earl Thompson, Cam Chancellor, uh, can not disagree more. Yeah. Uh, watching I mean, them play and change the game. It's, it's extremely important, not only because of players like Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, just in general in the game of football. I mean, you got a wide receiver who shoots past the corner it's going deep a player you know someone like Julio Jones DeAndre Hopkins you have to have somebody who's talented and has that awareness to pick up a play on the backside and has right. the decision making ability to see someone doing let's say like a post route or someone doing um an out route or somebody going deep on uh, a streak and have the decision making ability to say all right well knowing this quarterback okay he's probably not going to throw here over to the post he's probably going to go for the street or I probably might have to shoot down a little bit and t- try to target the out in case he gets out of the corner something like that that's that's something is is extremely important. I think, again, it's something like the tackling where it's overlooked that decision-making ability to kind of make the shifts necessary and make plays. Right. 
Right, and especially in the division with uh, George Kittle, mm-hmm. I think that's huge. I mean, he has been really, really great uh, with covering tight ends. And I think and I think John Snyder, I believe, said the other day too uh, that that was a factor. George Kittle was a factor. He is one of the best players in the league, which is insane. I love the guy. It sucks that we're in the same division as him. I think George Kittle is one of my favorite players. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got to finally stop him, and Jamal Adams yep. is that piece. I mean, and I want to, and I also want to just bring up Bradley McDougal real quick. I actually really liked him. Seattle loved him. We loved him. He loved us um, because he kind of came in and just and kind of took hold of the defense and did his part. A uh, good leader, solid player. Never really let any big plays, you know, slip by. And um, you know, we love him, and, and I wish him the best in New York, and I and I hope they utilize him properly. But uh, yeah, he'll never be the player Jamal Adams is. I think, yeah, you know, no when the trade happened, I canceled that Bradley McDougal. So people said, oh, we gave up the two first, third, and Bradley McDougal. I canceled it out because it's the same position. Right. If, if we trade a guy of a different position, I would include him. But because McDougal's in it, I'm like, no. You're just swapping safeties, essentially. You're, yeah, right. And, and Jamal Adams is, is a top three better. safety. I mean, he's you better. can make the argument he's the best. I mean, and I hope he ends up doing that this season. But, yeah, no, I'm so for the trade. I also think the Jets, if they utilize the picks right, um, might, they, I think, they definitely will benefit from the trade, but yeah. And that's they, something interesting actually, because I feel like this is something we might be seeing a little bit more of is the whole idea of, and I, I don't want to say the, I don't I want to give my team all the credit here, but I feel like the Raiders might have started this trend a little bit. And it's giving away one of your top players to try to build draft capital. Cause I feel like NFL teams, you can be in three places. You can be bottom of the barrel trying to rebuild you can be top team playoff contender every time, or you could be in that weird limbo state where you're seven between like seven and nine, nine and seven, maybe 10 and six, probably not make it the playoffs. There's a chance you can, but you usually just miss it. And you're not quite bad enough to be really bad. And I feel like teams like that may try and trade away some of their best players to try to build up on picks. That's what we saw the Raiders do with Khalil Mack. You know, they were a team that wasn't very good. They were sitting at six and 10, I believe that season the season before they traded him when John Green came in they traded away got a bunch of picks they did the same thing and traded away Amari Cooper and now we just saw the Jets do this now and I feel like this is a trend I can certainly see more and more teams doing you have someone like the Seahawks who's a playoff contender and really good but maybe is one or two pieces away from really having everything they need and instead of drafting and taking time to develop they could trade away some of their picks that they're not going to use now or don't really need now and try to get a guy for that win now, we need to win now mentality. And the Jets, a team like the Jets, who's just all right, can have pieces to build and keep adding for a young and team that has a bright future. Yeah, my biggest – so my biggest issue with the Jets in the trade um, is, you know, let me preface this by saying, so last year they had C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson injured. Um, their defense would have been fantastic with both, and they are both perfect all season. Now they have them back. You have Quinn and Williams – uh, edge rushers still need, but I mean, they got some really talented guys on that defense. Uh, but now you don't have your best player. And I think that's, that's, what's going to hurt them. It's like, Oh wait, we have our two linebackers back. This defense is going to be lethal, but we just gave away our best defensive player. And I think that's, what's going to hurt them the most. Now from a Seattle perspective, um, those first round picks aren't going to be huge value. Every first round pick is valuable. They aren't going to be in the teens. They're going to be late twenties, fingers crossed in the thirties. Um, and the jets need to utilize those picks. Well, um, 
but I, I just I don't think if I'm a Jets fan, I'm a little salty because you know you're just you're not really gonna get a player of, of his caliber that right. late. I mean it's 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 pretty rare. Um but yeah, no, we'll see. Maybe it's for the best. Um, you know, Joe Douglas has drafted well so far. He got Mackay Becton, who I'm a really big fan of. Uh they got Quinn Williams. I believe he drafted Quinn Williams. I believe he um I mean, I wish we'd utilize them well. They they're running a three four right now, and I and I like Quinn Williams in the four three. So, yeah. you know, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, no, I think I think for now it's a good trade for both teams. Yep. I'm not ready to say who won the trade uh, for about two more seasons. <laughs> tell me two yeah, years from now, yeah. and I'll I'll tell you who won because it's just you need more time, especially or even three more years because you guys see how their draft picks turn out. But exactly, exactly. Yeah, solid trade for both teams. Solid trade for sure. And I just want to bring up something you actually just mentioned, and it's something you mentioned a little earlier on uh, in our conversation, it was Jets fans. And let's talk about how there might be a little bit of a rivalry brewing, because if you go on Twitter, which of course is toxic as always. Right. Naturally. Uh, Naturally, naturally. Twitter's always toxic. But Mm. when you go on there, you see Jets fans now trying to come at Seahawks fans and somewhat of a vice versa. And could this be a little bit of a, a little bit of a battle that's going to happen? Like me, let's think about like, you know, the Raiders and the Bears. I don't really have much hate towards the Bears. I'm a little salty sometimes at Khalil Mack, especially what I, happened in <clears> – like, I, I don't dislike him. I, I like him a lot. He's still a great player. I just didn't like the way he talked about the team. The week before we played them, um, this past season we played them on October 6th. I think it was like week four or five or six or something. Mm. When we played them then, he was kind of talking some trash. Could this situation happen in the future with Jamal – Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell already building that rivalry. Could this be a rivalry that's going to continue on for the next couple of years with, with between fans and between players? Uh, I want to know your opinion on that. Um, I think Jet fans will always be salty because they gave away generational talent. And I think, I think that's always going to linger with them, no matter how good their draft picks even are. I, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm seeing so much hate, uh, obviously calling him a clown, questioning his leadership, uh, you know, questioning why his teammates don't, aren't really speaking out, aren't, you know, telling him, you know, Hey, like, good luck out there. And like, I wish you the best, um, which is understandable. I mean, but you got to get rid of it at some point. I get rid of the hate at some point. I mean, I'm a seal. Seal fans are best. The Legion of boom crumbled. Cam chancellor neck injury retired. Richard Sherman, we cut him, went to our rivals, our arch rivals, 49ers. Earl Thomas gave Pete Carroll the finger while on the Seattle Seahawks, then went to the Baltimore Ravens the next season. Trust me, we have been, we've been thrown through the ringer. And I have, I, you know, I don't hate those guys. I, don't, I still love Sherm. I still love watching him play. Uh, even though he's on, you know, obviously our, our rivals team, I still have so much respect for him and what he did in Seattle. Um, you know, do I think, do I wish that they stayed or, 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 or that they left on better terms, of course, but it happens. And Earl Thomas, even, I mean, I, from a personality perspective, I don't love the way he handled the exit and handling how he uh, approached management. Um, but I still respect the hell of his game. He's one of the top safeties in the game still, and I'm wishing him for the, you know, the best in Baltimore. You get, you get over at some point, but we also have to keep in perspective, these are New York fans. As a Knicks fan, I understand that culture of being hopeless and seeing that you know, yeah. going to a playoff, going to a championship is so far out of the realm of possibility. And New York fans in general are just brutal. Uh, brutal. Every single yeah. sport, like, they're, they're brutal. No, it, it, and that's and it coming sucks. from a, a fan of two New York teams. Like, right. absolutely brutal, yeah. 
Yankees and Rangers. Yankees and Rangers. Right. And it's – no, yeah, dude, it's really tough, and I get it. And, you know, but Jet fans – and this is obviously – I'm a Seattle fan. I'm biased. I would be directing my hate towards Adam Gase. Mm. I mean, seriously, period. Not even Joe Douglas, who made the trade. I'm pointing at the Adam Gase and telling Joe Douglas – and they have been, by the way. Jet fans, I talked to a buddy of mine, Tyler, who's a really you know, diehard Jet fan, about it. And he said, you know – uh, we obviously didn't like Adam Gates from the start, and we still don't like him. Um, and he is obviously really hurt about the Jamal Adams thing. And, you know, he claimed, you know, Jamal was one of his favorite players to watch ever, period. Period. Like, his favorite player to watch. And the team go obviously sucked, but he liked the trade. He liked, the obviously, his return. But, yeah, no, I think Jet fans, again, they're New York fans. I do think there will be a rivalry for a little bit. Um, I think it will die out eventually. Maybe week 14, there's a truce, or maybe him and Jamal and, and Le'Veon or Jamal and some of the players have a moment. Or the players take it personally, and some shit goes down. Um, either way, uh, we're probably going to blow him out by, like, 28. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Almost definitely. I'm, I'm going to regret saying <laughs> nah, that. Yeah, watch you guys that. get destroyed. We're going to get absolutely annihilated. No, that Jets team, it's young, and they, they need some time, and – you know, I think Gase just needs to go. I don't know how they haven't fired him yet. And, and again, I talked to my friend Tyler back in January. We were just talking about this the other day. Back in January. Mm. I mean, this is when Jamal Adam trade talks pretty much died out. And he announced, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to management about contract. And I said, this is the time to fire Adam Gase. Yeah. And they never did. I don't think they will because Adam Gase and Joe Douglas are buds. Apparently, they've been friends even since college or something like that. Um, so I don't think Douglas is going to do it. And if that's true, get Douglas out. I know people really like Douglas. If he's going to keep a toxic coach who's going to keep that team in the dirt, there's no reason to keep the GM either. I really do. If, the, if they're a package deal, you send them both on their way and you rebuild. You rebuild. I mean, you know, Darnold has so much potential. You need to surround him with the right people. And right now he's not, period. He's not. Yep, and and uh, I do think drafting you know Mackay Beckton's a good step, but they need to do more. They do, and hopefully they do do more with those two picks. Hopefully they get them some help, especially right. you know wide receiver and stuff. Like wide receiver's big, yeah. yeah. Wide receiver's yeah. big. They have a couple pieces, but they need that one, that one guy. They need the star. Yeah. They need the star. Yeah, I agree. Yep. All right, so now I I want to bring up a, a new topic. It's rumors actually. about uh, you know Jadavion and. Uh, you know, yeah. sorry, you were you were lagging a little bit. No, no, it's okay. Bit. I know. I realized that too. Like I was talking, <laughs> and then you started talking. I heard like Jadavion. I was like, wait a second, what's happening? But no, wait, what's say, going on? What yeah, I know. Go ahead, say what you um, There's rumors like Bradley McDougal was saying, "I'm on the phone, with my boy Jadavion, and like we want to get him in New York." Um, doesn't really make sense for the Jets. They need pass rush. They need edge rush are really bad. They're not in a win now state. No. So why are you gonna overpay for a pass rusher? I mean, I want. Seahawks fan, I want him. And I think that's okay, though. If we sign him to a short-term deal, we can. There's no reason for the Jets to sign him to a one- to two-year deal because they're not contending. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I have I did my predictions today. I'm going like seven to nine, I think, or six and ten. You know, they're just not ready to win right now. And I don't know. I think it would be a, 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 a bad choice on their part. Jet fans would be psyched because they're like, ha-ha, we got yeah, like, two oh, first and a yeah. third and McDougal, and now we got Clowney. We sold your player, Seattle. They're still not going to make the playoffs, and we're probably going to the Super Bowl. So I don't want to hear it. Oh, big talk there. I'm getting, Super, I'm getting, going, right, going right for Super Bowl, actually, not even no, playoffs. Seriously, going right for Super Bowl. I had no hate for the Jets. Like, I actually, I, you know, obviously we live near MetLife. Right. I've been to more Jet games than Seahawks games. 
And I actually love the Jets fans. Like, I remember going to games, and there's something fun. Like, yeah, they aren't really overly optimistic, but there's a really cool energy, and I dug it. And now I'm like, damn. Like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know how I'm going to go to those games, man. I don't know. I, I should wear a Jamal Adams. You actually there. should. Be, but it's got to be the Seahawks one. Seahawks, yeah. Seahawks, it has to be Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. Seahawks, yeah. yeah. It's got to be Seahawks. Yeah. That's actually no, for sure. You actually should do that. You'll probably, like, actually get jumped. I'll get beat up. I'll get beat up. Yeah, you'll probably get stabbed. But, yeah. It's yeah. all right, though. It's all right, though. And uh, speaking of – real quick, talking about Jadavion, if you guys are able to get Jadavion – now, this is real quick, just my opinion. I think you guys will be the best team in your division, no doubt about it. I think you guys yeah. are probably already getting there. I mean, I think the 49 – the 49ers are a great team. They're good. I, but, I'm not yeah. sold on Garoppolo or that offense because we saw how that, that offense sputtered in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs defense who did come up and actually shine when the playoffs came around. But, like, all season they were kind of somewhere in the middle. They weren't that great. If you guys are able to get you, Davion, oh, my goodness. Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo will be I, harassed. Kyler Murray, who already does not have an offensive line and is always on the move, he's done. The, the, forget about the Rams. I think they're they're already going down the drain. They signed all those players who were kind of older to huge deals, and then all those players are, like, leaving now, retiring, or hurt. So right. the Rams kind of – I'm not a big Rams guy, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I think the Seahawks serious contenders and probably should win the division because – one thing that's weird about the Seahawks, I'm actually excited about the Seahawks now. Every year, I'm always like, the Seahawks are, are going down. Seahawks are not going to be as good this year. And I feel like a lot of people tend to say that. But mm. somehow, Russell Wilson pulls wins out of his ass somehow, some way. Pete Carroll, too. Credit to Pete Carroll. And they, they find ways to win. And that's just a credit to the team. And now that they're actually getting really good pieces, like they have DK Metcalf, who's great. I know they were thinking about getting Antonio Brown, which I think is a bad choice. But if they do – it's something. It's a position you guys need. Offensive line is the only real big hole on the team. But yeah, overall, yeah. it's it's a really great team who, like I said, always finds ways to, to win and make the playoffs and make it pretty far in the playoffs too. Yeah, I mean, we were an inch away from winning the division. I mean, who knows what ripple effect that would have had? I mean, do we even make the Super Bowl? I have no idea. Yeah. I, I I don't want to think like that, but you don't know. You never know. And you know, when we played the Packers, you know, we could have took the lead. I think we had a fourth and three with like three minutes left, and we punted. You know, and I think that my biggest concern, and this is the first offseason where I'm having doubts about Pete Carroll is just how complacent he is in play calling, how conservative he can be in play calling. And, uh, you know, uh, unless he's on the one yard line. Well, okay. Uh, you know, Brian Schottheimer, you know, he's, uh, I like him as a coordinator, but he runs the ball a bit too much. Um, or I should say rather in, 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 he runs the ball in certain situations where you shouldn't be running the ball. And mm. uh, I mean, you know, we, we run on first down pretty much, I think every single first down we have. And, and then the second now we run and then we throw, like, we have the best quarterback or at least top two quarterback in the league. You, we should utilize him more. And I think if we had, if we sign a guy like Antonio Brown or we sign Josh Gordon back, um, I think those are, that's more incentive to pass. Um, but again, the offensive line is, yeah, you're right. It's a huge, it's still a huge problem. And I think it's the first time in God, I would say four or five years where the line has gotten worse. Um, I think, you know, we lost DJ Fluker. Uh, we drafted Damian Lewis to replace him. I like him. He needs time. Uh, and we still have Dwayne Brown on the left side. I love Dwayne. He's great. Uh, we got Mike Gipati. He's a vet, but he got hurt a lot. And then at center, we lost Justin Britt, who was out all last year of injury. He's gone. We cut him. We have a guy named B.J. Finney. Uh, who did he play for? Who he played for? 
And then we got Brandon Shell from the Jets at right tackle, who, um, yeah, I'm not happy about that signing. Uh, that one pissed me off. We signed him to a two-year, $10 million deal. Um, average lineman. Uh, I would even say poor uh, run blocking wise, which is contradictory to what Seattle does. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm not excited for that. Um, part of me wants us to, and I know we just trade a lot of picks. Um, if we're on a win now stage, I say we give up a second for some lineman, somebody, I don't know who's available, but get it, even a vet, like maybe not second for a vet, but get like, mm. uh, like an Alex Mack from Atlanta or like somebody that just gives a bit more stability there. I, I know sure. Russ can make it work, but. I'm sure Atlanta, Atlanta wouldn't mind that either because Alex Mack's getting a little up there in age and his contract is absolutely massive. So, yeah, I don't know why I just – I don't know why that just popped up. No, that's, I mean, actually, that's actually a good idea, though, because Alex Mack's yeah. contract is kind of ridiculous, I it believe. It's, it's, I think right. it's kind of high. Like, it's not, it's not you know, Killio Mack or someone like that or obviously not like Patrick Mahomes, not somebody that high. Right, right. <laughs> but it is, it's a little hefty for his age and his position. Yeah, and, he got five year, like like fifty, forty five million, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, he's got. Uh, yeah, and that's what I mean, though. He's cool because I think his uh, his he's got, cap like, two space, years left. Right, but I, he, I think what he does the most damage to is just cap space, like the right. way that the contract is structured. I think he does a lot of damage to cap space. So I, I think uh, that'd be that'd be a solid trade for you. No, guys. yeah, that's actually, and he actually, sorry, he's on his contract year now. So like, mm. I don't, I wouldn't give up a second, but I'd give up like a fourth or so. I don't know what they're willing to give, but. Uh, I mean, he's a solid – or, you know, like guys like that that just come in and do work and could be a leader for that O-line because we're so young. Um, we just – we need more pieces. And yep. I think uh, – I wish we made a signing or two in a free agency, but yeah. didn't happen. So, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm we'll very see. excited for this year, but, yep. um, you know. What, one thing you mentioned, you mentioned how Russell Wilson is a top-two quarterback. And I'm going to have to go out there – and I'm, I'm actually going to agree with you. I actually think – one of the things that actually really annoyed me about this past season was the fact that everything – and the past two seasons, really – everything that Patrick Mahomes would do or some things that Lamar Jackson would do, I sat there and watched the clip, and I'd say this is stuff that Russell Wilson has always been doing. Has been doing, right. He has been doing. He just doesn't get the respect. So I, I think Russell Wilson is he, – obviously, he's not underrated. A lot of people have him top five, top three quarterback in the league. He was just top two on the NFL Top 100, which – that's what I'm trying to segue to right now. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is he's a little underappreciated sometimes, and I think he doesn't get the love that a star like Patrick Mahomes, who's always in the news, or Lamar Jackson, who's always in the news. People, I think it's because he doesn't really have the weapons all the time. He, he's just worked so hard with such a bad offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be more average weapons. Now he has DK Metcalf, who's a really mm. good player. And, yeah, I just think that his talent doesn't get enough credit. But anyway, as I said – Let's shift over to uh, NFL Top 100 because I know yesterday you had a lot of opinions about it. So how about you just give me some of your opinions on the NFL Top 100 and who got placed where and what you think about it all? Yeah, so I thought start. I'll start off kind of like, you know, from, you know, kind of the tamer stuff to the crazy stuff. I mm. thought uh, Michael Thomas being ahead of D-Hop by a few spots was a little wild. I, I, I just – maybe it's because the trade hindered that, but I think D-Hop is – a, a better receiver than Michael Thomas. And I'm actually really high on Michael Thomas, but D-Hop is just on another level. And Julio Jones being, I think, number 11 on the list, uh, not in the top 10. Julio is – I mean, he's – I have him as the best receiver in football. Uh, he's just obviously on a Falcons team that has struggled. 
the past couple of years. And I think, uh, you know, he is just, I think he's so goddamn talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he is a six, three guy who runs routes like better than anybody. I mean, he does everything that a big and small receiver does. And when the one player, I think that's absurd. Um, and then obviously um, some, you know, AJ Brown uh, Titans. I've been huge on him since uh, uh, he played for Ole Miss uh, out of the top 100. Also out of the top 110, because last night they showed the players from 110 to 101, like as honorable mentions, and he yeah. wasn't on either. Uh, Kenny Galladay from the Lions, uh, who led the league in uh, receiving touchdowns with 70 yards out of the top 110. Um, just really weird snubs. Carson Wentz not in it. Um, really weird to me. I, I Carson Wentz is 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 a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Uh, I do now. Now here's what I will say though. I do like that Kyler Murray was on the list. People were upset about it. I think Kyler Murray, who was the most sacked quarterback in the league last year under a god awful O line, I think did a terrific job. And I think he showed so much potential. So I'm happy he was in there. But yeah, Carson Wentz not in there is absurd to me. Uh, Kenny Galladay, AJ Brown, those guys, uh, just just really bizarre. Uh, I don't know how they didn't make the list. And as a Seahawks fan, glad to see DK at 81. And I think it's a testament to how much respect he has just off the bat of his rookie year and trying to prove a lot of doubters wrong and being this really fierce uh, kind of receiver that you don't want to go one-on-one against. I mean, he is six, like 6'3", 230 with mm-hmm. phenomenal speed and great leaping ability. And, uh, I mean, that's – as a corner, you do not want to go up against that. So, I was happy to see him there. And, um, yeah, I mean, just some misfires there. And um, the main one is uh, Patrick Mahomes at four. Mm. Um, I was shocked. Like, I was legitimately, like – my predict I made a prediction list right before last night and I said it's gonna be Mahomes, Russ, uh, Lamar and Aaron Donald, or I had Aaron Donald Lamar something like that. And see Mahomes at four was crazy. Uh, and then I started thinking, wait, is Russ gonna be number one? I mean, that's like a Seahawks fan dream. Like Seahawks mentality. You know, especially after last year, Russ was twenty fifth. And we were all pissed off. I remember we were like, What? 25th like are you kidding me like we were really upset and uh then went Aaron Donald and then went Russ and and we were happy about it like we were hoping for number two because we just thought Mahomes had number one locked but going to Lamar it's tough because I you know I think Russ should have won MVP because when you talk about most valuable player he carried our offense he literally led us almost to a conference championship single-handedly Lamar does have a lot of pieces around him. He has a pretty good O-line, if you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, um, I think Lamar is kind of changing the quarterback position as we speak. And I think that's something that not a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, he is a game breaker. I mean, we played him this season, and they went for it on fourth down, and he ran it for a touchdown, and they won the game. Um, and hard to see. But I couldn't help but think, I mean, this dude uh, has barely played. I mean, this is what, his second season? Yeah, second season. Yeah, it was his second, yeah. I mean, he completely – And his first season, he didn't even play the full year. No, yeah. he – yeah, no, he played late in the year of him. I think in the playoffs he played. And, you know, look, I think, yes, was the Titans game rough? Yeah. 
but you know, I, you know what I contribute that to, you know, every team has that one really bad game. The Ravens had that game in the playoffs. Um, but I look, I think Lamar is going to do really well. Uh, you know, the only concern is, you know, will teams figure him out uh, and figure out their scheme? Maybe, but I still think that even if they do, he is just such uh, a game breaker. And I think, uh, I think he has a really bright future, but he's yeah. not the best player in football. No. I think that's absurd to put him ahead of Mahomes, who half a billion dollars in his pocket and uh, wins a Super Bowl, wins Super Bowl MVP. Uh, talk about his offense. Talk about all the weapons he has. And he does. I mean, Tyreek Hill, great. McCall Hardman, great. Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. Uh, you know, I get it. He has still made some plays that I just can't. I, you just can't believe it. Like Russ. I mean, I've been watching this for years. I mean, there's just some throws he makes. Where like, how, like, like uh, Russ's throw to Tyler Lockett earlier this year in the corner of the end zone. I remember watching it live thinking, oh, we threw it away. Legitly, I was like, oh, he threw it away. God damn it. I think it would be like third or fourth down at that point. And they're like, oh, it's a touchdown. I'm like, what? What are you talking about touchdown? Amazing catch, too. Well, Amazing, one of the best throws like, and catches I've I think, ever seen. Look, I, think, I, know, I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased. That's my favorite play of the year last year. Like, that that was just so absurd. No, pr- probably mine, too. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before, to be completely honest. Yeah, the, the placement was insane. The perfect. toe drag was ridiculous. I yeah, mean, that was just that. – was, insane play you know, ridiculous. and tyler lockett's got to get more respect too i think he was in the yep. 60s which is nice but that dude had over a thousand yards made some amazing plays uh but yeah no uh, patty mahomes needs respect yeah um and i saw he tweeted like the taking notes emoji right. thing whatever yeah yeah and i'm like yeah man i don't know how nfl players didn't vote for him i, I get lamar you don't want to play him because even if they aren't throwing the ball that well he can always just run right and always break your defense like that but Mahomes, I mean that oh that's wild I can't believe he got four right one thing one thing I will say I'm not a huge fan all the time of the NFL top 100 and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into that <laughs> yeah. a little bit later on I'm I, later on in the pod I'm gonna talk about myself I'm gonna talk about mm. Allen and top 100 and all that but I'm not really a big fan because I just feel like it's it's it is a popularity contest I think it's more for fun than anything I think it's just fun to yeah say, like one thing I do like about it is you know it's kind of fun you, you know you're sitting you're bored sitting in your room you know need something on just to listen to while you're doing homework or something or you know you're in class you're bored you want to watch the highlights I like to turn on the NFL top 100 because it's got some nice clips of some of the best players in the league that's that's usually what I like to use it for mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do really kind of like take it seriously including the players which like I said I'm gonna get into that with Keenan Allen and my opinion on him the way he took it all oh, right but I do agree with you um that Patrick Mahomes should have been placed higher. And my views when it comes to Lamar is that I feel like eventually he's going to get figured out. We saw this when it came with the Titans. I don't want to say he's like, I don't think he's going to be a one hit wonder and I don't think he'll be as like big and then take as much of a dip as someone like Robert Griffin the third did. I think he's going to be really right, good right. and he's going to be the QB for the Ravens for a long time. I just feel as though, I mean, we saw flashes of it. Like I said, in the Titans game, how they started to figure him out. Are more teams going to be able to do that? Yes, I think so. I think if they find ways to effectively use a quarterback contain, maybe have someone back running like a spy on him, a linebacker, which is going to – see, this is one of the things actually, now when I think about it, that's so good about just the Ravens team in general is that, you know, you call Lamar game breaker. There are so many players on that team, though, that have that game breaker-esque style about them. I mean, Mark Ingram, right, played fantastically that last season. 
You know, he was great. And he has the ability to move around, really get shifty, and he's powerful. Also, look at someone like Hollywood Brown. I mean, he, he showed some great flashes this season. And I feel as though, I mean, even if you try to commit someone like a linebacker to, to guarding up Lamar, you're, he's always going to have pieces to move around and throw too. Now, as I said, yeah. I, if a team can effectively figure out a way to stop that, which I'm sure quite a few will, not everyone, but some of them will, people who have the right pieces are going to figure it out, then I think he's going to have a little bit of a harder time. But like I said, I think this season he's going to have a little bit of a harder time because you think about year one, like I said, he didn't play the whole time. He played towards the end and then into the playoffs. So you only had somewhat of an idea of how he played. And then as the year went on this season, he just showed more and more flashes of his skill. Now that players and coaches have that full tape, what are they going to be able to do with that? And how are they going to analyze that? And I think that's going to hurt his game a little bit. Anyway, to go back to what you were saying about how you think Lamar shouldn't be that high up. I, like I said, I agree. I think the top 100 is a popularity contest. And that's one of the things I don't like about it. Yeah. You know what I'm, what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know how the players though didn't, didn't put Lamar. Uh, I mean, Mahomes, excuse me, at number one. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Cause Mahomes is obviously, is obviously the best. I mean, Russ was mm. two, which is a really good placement for him. I like that. Mm. I mean, he could have been one. He, he honestly could have been, but to put, I, I, I think I honestly would have put one, probably Mahomes, two, mm. Russell Wilson, three. I would probably put someone like Aaron Donald and then four, I might put Lamar. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I would do the exact same thing. I think, you know, you know, I just watched Pat uh, McAfee's, uh, you know, show today, and he was talking about, you know, when he first voted for the top 100. And, you know, it, it's tough because you're balancing who is subjectively the best player and also players you have a relationship with or whatever. Like he had Adam Vinatieri in his top 10 because that season – Vinatieri missed all but one field goal. Like he made every single field goal, which is he almost like broke the record. Right. Um, and he actually did make the top 100, but he put him in the top 10. So I think that's it too. And I, and I think Lamar is such a flashy player that I think that just, I think maybe that's what led to him being number one. I also um, think he has a good personality and he's a good leader. So I think he's a likable yeah. guy. Like, you know, when I, when I watch right. stuff about Lamar, I, I like his, I like, really enjoy his personality and I love how he's got that chip on his shoulder how everybody called him a wide receiver or a running back yeah I you know I, I remember that draft and, and I, I still don't understand how he fell like I, I try to because I remember when it happened I think he was the last pick of the first round 32 Isaac Newsom got him and you know I was like but why like he is so fast I mean his throwing mechanics were fine too. Like there wasn't a ton of worry. I remember like being, he's such a nice, like two dimensional player. Why is he falling? And because NFL executives are so stuck in their ways and they're so old fashioned and stuck in the past and, and, you know, thinking, Oh yeah, he's a receiver. Uh, Cause he has speed. And um, I, no, you're. If you watch Louisville's tape, you're wrong. Right. No, he's a quarterback, and that's what people will tell you about him uh, in the top 100 video. They said, no, he is a passer first. Like he looks to throw the football first because that's what his position entails. That's what it asks of him. But will he run the ball? Yeah, and and you know, there's a lot of comparisons with Mike Vick too. I think he could be better, or at least for a longer period of time. You know, Michael Vick's was insane in his prime. Right. But that didn't last as long as he had wished. Obviously, some controversies, you know, were a factor. But 
Um, (laughs) No, yeah, no, I don't know. I I think the Ravens are going to have a really great year, and I think they got a chance at the AFC Championship. Um, It – yeah, it's this NFL season. I'm 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 very stoked for. I, I, there's yeah. just so many different storylines. I think this is like it. This is the season, in my opinion, and it's it stinks that it's under these conditions, though. And we don't right. know even if it's gonna happen or when it's gonna happen. Um, it's even weird talking about sports. I said the other day, my buddy of mine. I'm like, it's even weird making predictions because it's like, well, it, was it gonna ha- is it gonna happen? Like we don't right. even know. Uh, so we gotta hope for the best, and you know, uh, hope something happens, or maybe the NFL adapts and says yeah no fans it's mm-hmm. not gonna work bubbly it and how they do that i don't know but i think that's the best course of action to be right. honest but and i honestly don't know how they're because a lot of these st- like i don't know if let's say they do go through and have fans i don't know how it's going to affect in different locations let's say somewhere like minnesota or vegas well vegas has a big like window thing that you can roll out but stadiums that are indoors okay is that going to affect fans at games yeah jacksonville miami Tampa Bay. I mean, Minnesota, especially Jack- yeah. Jacksonville, from what I've heard, so many people say Jacksonville, it's like the virus literally didn't happen and they live life uh, normally. And I'm like, well, what does that mean for the Jaguars? Which weren't destined to have the best season. But right. uh, still, I-, I think, yeah, I think a bubble league might be the uh, the answer. But again, it's not right. like the NBA where you have 15 players and uh, you know some coaches and some trainers. Uh, you have 53 players you have a ton of coaches assistant coaches trainers all these so uh, there's just so many uh, there's such a ripple effect it's, it's and funny. i hope Goodell handles it well yeah and it's funny you actually mentioned that because earlier on in my uh, podcast in this one actually i talked about how the team like the ufc right and i talked so I was, it's when i was talking about the mlb i talked about how the mlb is struggling so much because they're not using a bubble but then i talked about how effective the UFC is doing and how well they're doing, but it's because the UFC kind of got lucky where they don't have to worry about a team. You worry about one fighter and you worry about his training staff, which is like four or five, six guys. If you need to, let's say he gets coronavirus, one of his members, so easy to pull him out and plug someone right in. We're seeing now with baseball that these teams, it's, you know, you have to worry about all the players, all the staff, all the coaches, and they're traveling where the NBA has that whole team aspect, but they're in a bubble. The MLB, on the other hand, is worrying about traveling and all of that, and it just makes it so much harder because then, let's say, a team like what's going on with the Marlins, they have to get pulled out. Okay, it's really, it was really easy to take the Phillies and the Marlins, who were both canceled at the time, to pull them out and let the Yankees and Orioles, who the Phillies were supposed to play the – or no, the Phillies were supposed to play the Yankees, the Marlins yeah. were supposed to play the Orioles, right? Really easy just to take the Yankees, take the Phillies – and I'm sorry, take the Yankees, take the Orioles, put them up against each other instead – but then now the Phillies can't play their next opponent. So it's really hard now to compensate and you have to shift all these schedules around. They're going to do double headers, seven innings, all kinds of stuff. And it just makes it so much harder. And I think that's something the NFL is really going to struggle with when the time comes. Yeah. I think, you know, they should have every, every league should have handled it better. I think from the start, I just think, or took this more seriously. I, I get that, you know, it's sports and you got to get moving at some point, but um, I think, you know, my proposal for the NFL is just delaying the season until maybe January or maybe December, depending on how the virus is. And because if you start and then have to shut it down, I almost feel like that's worse than waiting. Does that make any sense? Like, I feel like if it's like November, I right. Yeah. I think uh, like if it gets, cause November is supposedly where the virus is going to make a, you know, is going to kick up uh, pretty heavily and could reach its worst point. If that does happen, 
the season starts, that's mid-season. What is that going to do to teams? And then it's like, oh, okay, then what? Then what? When do we start? When do we get back into this? There's just so many questions, and I wish that the NFL was more prepared because, as we've seen, I'm going to give credit to Adam Silver, the NBA has done a terrific job. Now, was it smart to have a bubble league in Florida, probably the worst state in America right now? Well, no, I think it's not the a reason, great idea. But I think they initially did that because at the time it was when Florida was – when they made the it decision, was fine. it was when Florida was fine. Yeah, yeah. Right. But even with that said, I think there should have been more consideration. Like, okay, like the NHL, for instance, is – hell. I think they're holding it in Edmonton, uh, Canada, mm-hmm. who is doing – pretty damn well it's, and they it's had zero cases it's interesting because like canada's weird with like everything going on in sports because they wouldn't let the blue jays play mm. like you know in toronto yeah. which is interesting but i think so, they're letting and yeah they're letting the nhl play in like edmonton yeah so right it's like kind of yeah. weird how they're like doing some and not so like now pittsburgh has to i mean i'm sorry Toronto has to play. They were supposed to play in Pittsburgh, but now they're going to play in Buffalo, I think. It's probably like a league thing, too. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Manfred. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Sure. Manfred or Man... Manf- uh... Rob Manfred. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah, no, he's not handling this very well. And Awful. I just heard today they're doing seven innings. What is it? They said they're yeah, doing doubleheader like, seven innings. I think it's like, to make up for what's going on with the Phillies and Marlins. They're going right, to do right. doubleheaders and seven innings, which, I mean, I, I wouldn't really – I don't mind that because, hmm. you know – it's whatever. They have to find a way to catch up. And they're already taking – they're usually been taking, like, a day break in between, so it's not really that big of a deal. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of leaning towards, like, seven innings. and uh, Just very sporadic decision-making, which I know the virus might – Yeah, and all of a sudden now, too, you have to wear – I think they're shifting to wearing face coverings for the MLB, which mm-hmm. is, like – okay, so, like, if one team – I get kind of what they're doing, but, like, if no other team has been affected, then why are you doing it? But at the same time – if you thought that that was a good idea, you should have did that before the league even started. Right. And it's so also a matter you of shouldn't, like, shouldn't yeah. shift it now, either like don't shift it now, or you should have just did this from the start. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. No, I think more precautions just should, should have been taken. And I think, yep. you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think what happened in Marlins is just kind of a, uh, uh, what is it called? Whatever. It's, it's kind of a sign of, of what's to come. And the only um, thing about we'll the, the Marlins that I haven't heard of any player really suffering from it badly, like a lot of symptoms. I haven't heard no, of right. symptomatic. I think it's kind of like the NBA when like Rudy Gobert got it and Donovan Mitchell. They weren't right. they weren't like you know deathly ill. They felt like a little achy, a little bit of a fever, a little bit of a cough, but nothing crazy. And you know then there were NBA players who didn't have any symptoms at all. So I think for the most part it's going to be like that. And but like I said, I think it's really hard for just these leagues in general to manage that compared to something like the UFC where a player gets it, they could just take him right out. Plus let's say, you know, recently um, Jorge Misvidal fought, Mm -hmm. right? Let's say afterwards they found out he had COVID. Okay. He's probably not going to fight again for. Yeah. They have such a long. It's so much. That's, that's just, as I, I said this earlier, but it's just that the UFC just got lucky and has such an easy way around it because of the way that the sport is built. Compared to, yeah. uh, you know, something like football or – and, again, it's like football is going to be interesting because, like you, you were saying before, NBA is such small teams. Football is 53 guys plus coaching plus staff plus GIA plus all that stuff. So that's going to be interesting to see. I don't know how they're going to do the bubble stuff. And it's interesting for a team like the Raiders, right, where Las Vegas, a lot of stuff is open. And it's actually funny because, like, the Raiders are one of the teams I think we had, like, nobody had COVID and nobody opted out. So – 
I don't, I, I think they're going to have to do something where it's kind of like a bubble, not in the sense where the whole league is in a bubble together, but where each team is in a bubble. Cause I think the MLB players have had like mm. some freedom to be able to go home or go out to different places. But I think the, the NFL is going to have to do something where you can either go home or you could be at the facility and that's it. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's the issue with just in terms of uh, the players getting it. And, you know, I think like you said before, like not necessarily feeling the symptoms or like not feeling heavy symptoms. I think that's why players are opting out still though, is, is the, just the infection itself. And I think a lot of players that have like whatever kids or newborns and they have, or, or they have prior health conditions and stuff like that. I think, that's going to be a big problem. And I think, you know, we've seen a couple of really good players opt out already for the NFL. And I think the numbers are going to keep most likely going up. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I I think it it could take one star player. I think we heard, you know, Carson Wentz was considering opting out. And and that's what I said about a week ago. I was like, you know what? I think there's going to be that one player that opts out, like one stud, probably a quarterback, something like that, that's going to change things. And I think there will be a really big ripple effect. Now, what we know about the virus is that, and we saw this at the beginning when the NBA shut down, is how quick it can happen. We went from one day saying uh, March Madness will not be played with fans, and we were pissed off. We were so upset. Like, how do you have March Madness without fans? Like, all right, whatever. To Like, two or three days later, done. Collegiate sports, done. It's not coming back. It's done. No March Madness or nothing. It counts towards uh, their year. So these players, if they're seniors, can't play next year and stuff like and and that's when it hit me and the nba shut down all stuff i'm like this could happen again that's what these leagues need to prepare for is an Mm. instant just like shut it down and how are they going to handle that scheduling wise financial wise contract wise there's so many things that go into stadium workers um you know that's such a big you know um foundation for these teams and how they're going to handle it how they're going to pay these workers and it's, it's, it's wild. It, yeah. It's, it's bigger than sports in that regard, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. And it's going to be interesting. Like you said, um, you know, managing the shutdown, that's the biggest problem with the MLB, as I was saying, you know, just they're, they're doing suspending games where they, people are thinking they should suspend the season. But then, as I was saying, again, UFC pull guys right out. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they cope because it, something like UFC is not going to need to be suspended, but something like baseball or football, that's, certainly a possibility yeah certainly now i think that if football starts and it's the same thing we're seeing with the mlb it took forever to get the mlb started it finally started i can't see them shutting down anytime soon just for the fact that it took them so long to start their season already started halfway through and i just think that they're not going to want to shut down again because people are watching they're just going to look like complete imbeciles for the fact that it took them long enough to get started and all that bickering and the pissing contest that was coming to that agreement. I just don't see them doing that again, where they shut down and then all the fans can be like, well, this is a joke. The MLB is a joke. You know, they took them so long to get started. Now they can't even hold up a full season because nobody's safe and everybody's getting COVID and blah, blah, blah. I just don't see that happening. Just the fact, just because it's the MLB. I mean, that's nothing against the players or whatever. No, I feel right, like it's just, right. it's just Rob Manfred and the other executives aren't going to want to shut it down because it's going to look real bad for the MLB. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be interesting how they, how they handle it. Yep, yep. Well, Sean, I want to say thank you for joining me. This was great stuff. Talking Absolutely, about Absolutely, pleasure. Yeah. Talking, yep, analyzing the Seahawks, analyzing the top 100, and even getting a little COVID, COVID talk in there. That was a little great COVID stuff. talk. Yeah, look, it's nice to talk about sports again. It's been a really long time, and now that it is. you know the NBA season just started, um, I, I haven't watched the NBA in years. Like, I actually mm-hmm. sat down and watched it, and I'm going to finally do it again. So 
It's nice to have sports back. I hope it lasts. Um, I hope they're smart about it. Um, me too, me too. We'll see. Yeah, I had fun. I had fun, dude. Yep, yep, I had fun too. And hopefully now that, as you said, sports are back, it's great. And hopefully it stays this way. If it does stay this way, I'm thinking about doing this as a bi-weekly thing or maybe even a nice. weekly thing if there's enough content. So, Sean, I hope to see you on here again if that's something you'd be Absolutely, we'll do. For. We'll do. All right, sounds totally good, Sean. Done. Thanks for joining me. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate Have a it. good one. So now let's finish up talking about the NFL with two more topics. One, a little bit more serious, a little bit more heavy, and it has a lot to do with what's going on in the world today and how so many people are pushing for change. And then another one that we're going to talk about is just the ridiculous Keenan Allen beef. So I think, first of all, what I'd like to talk about is everything going on with the Washington football team. Uh, who's that? that is their name for now. They were, as you know, the Washington Redskins. And they had their name changed because of so much political outrage over everything going, like how so many people are pushing for change revolving around like Black Lives Matter and everything that happened with George Floyd. And it's kind of been going into all different, the whole spectrum of people of different colors, uh, people of different races, people of different genders, all different things. Trying to get change. When it comes to the Redskins name, I think they made the right decision to change it. I know FedEx pulled their thing, but I think they made the right decision to change it because people have been calling for change on it for a long time. My only hope is I think one of the best ways to change the name would be to give it in the name of a Native American group that is like an actual, like the actual name, like just for example, Cherokee, Apache, Mohawk, something like that. Because I saw a video of a Native American man who was saying that yeah, I mean, we don't like it. We don't like that it's Redskins because that's like a term. But we like that our culture is shared. And I think there needs to be more of that. You know what I mean? The Indians, I mean, are just the Indians. The Braves, see, the Braves makes a little bit more sense because they are named after the tribe, the Braves, the Braves tribe. If they do something like that, but if they do it respectfully, which, they, if they, let's be honest, they probably won't. I mean, it's Dan Schneider. But if they do do it respectfully and do find a way to actually share native american culture through the team and like really make it cool and interesting i think that would be the best bet i think that'd be really cool to see them actually have people native americans you know coming and sharing their culture like pre-game and tailgates and stuff like that that'd be amazing i mean that probably wouldn't happen but that would be really 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 cool right wouldn't that be neat i think that'd be really cool but again knowing dan schneider that's probably not going to happen i just want to talk about let's, let's think about some of the team some of the team names, actually. I'm going to look it up right now because I remember a couple of them. Team new names. Okay, just looked it up. So, one of the team names that I saw was the Washington Sentinels. For anybody who has seen the movie with Keanu Reeves, which it is escaping me right now. Uh, hold on, I'm going to look that up too, actually. Sorry about this. The Replacements, the movie with Keanu Reeves, The Replacements. It's a great movie. It's really funny. It's about the football team, how late – I think the, all the players go on strike in Washington, like all of the league. I think in Washington. Oh, what did they all get sued for gambling? I think they all got sued for gambling, actually. Like the whole team was like gambling on themselves and purposely losing games. So the whole team was gone, and they pull in a bunch of like replacements. That's why it's called that. It's a bunch of like undrafted guys and – 
former college players like Keanu Reeves, the main character, who's like a quarterback who was really good in college but didn't make it in the NFL. Um, it's great. You got to watch. If anybody if you haven't seen it and you're a sports fan, you definitely got to check it out. Okay, so now I just want to talk about some of the names. One of the ones that was pretty cool I saw was the Red Tails. It was a finalist. Yeah, it's a, it was a finalist a few years ago. It says here, um, and I know the Red Tails. It's named after the Tuskegee Airmen, which is pretty cool. Um, for any of you who don't know, it was a group of African American pilots who fought in World War II. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, it was really cool. It was. It's it's really cool if they do do that. I mean, I I know a lot. I know something some about the um, Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen from the Museum of um, what is it? Air, like the Air Museum or whatever, the Museum of Planes. I don't know why I can't think right now. This is horrible. But the Museum of like Planes and stuff like that in Washington. Um, it's really cool. Uh, yeah, a couple of the other ones, senators, the presidents, the federals, the founders. That's always one. Like Washington founders do it, the founding fathers. But, I mean, there, I feel like there's so much – so many people polarized about like you know different historical figures like George Washington and uh, Thomas Jefferson and all that stuff. I'm sure I feel like they're I could definitely see them naming it the Red Tails just because it almost won a couple years ago. The Americans, that's kind of lame. The Warriors, the Washington Warriors sounds kind of cool, right? That'd be kind of cool if they did Washington Warriors and then had that be Native Americans like Native American Warriors, um, and then that's a way. To, if they if they, I'm telling you if they find a way to do it where they're able to effectively spread and teach people about Native American culture by getting them interested in football and like if you're like oh like the team like what is what are what is this team name like what does that have to do and like what are they really like that's cool like somebody reads the red tails they'll be like oh what are the red tails and then they look it up find a Tuskegee Airmen and then read about the Tuskegee Airmen if they did something like that if it's about like Native Americans and did culture things and like cool events that'd be really neat but knowing Dan Snyder that would never happen so let's talk about something else that happened with the Washington football team, and that's that. I think it was about a uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was about it was about a week or two weeks ago. Uh, so many allegations came out that there were women, fifteen, I believe, that were sexually assaulted and verbally harassed. I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm finding it right now. It's on. Uh, I'm looking up um, NBC Sports, uh, their Washington page, uh, in a column by JJ Reagan. Here we go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this report by the Washington Post and the report. So yeah, the original post is that's right. It was by the Washington Post. Um, this is just a brief summary of it. I'm just gonna read it to you. Fifty women described a toxic workplace which they were subject to verbal abuse and sexual harassment. Not surprisingly, the culture in Washington was the biggest story across the sports world on Friday, including an ESPN morning show on first take. So that I, I do remember a lot of people were talking about it. And acts like that are just disgusting. That that even exists because. I feel like women in sports already have to deal with so much because people just like to say, like, oh, sports are for guys. Like, it's a man's world. But, like, that's not true. Like, shut up. And I just feel like they already have to deal with that. So that's they probably have to deal with that all the time. And then just the sexual harassment stuff is just disgusting. And I believe Dan Schneider came out and apologized. You know, I don't – I know people weren't happy with it. I don't know what else he's supposed to do. He shouldn't have let it happen in the first place, actually. Let's be honest. He shouldn't have let it happen in the first place. If he didn't honestly know about it, 
then I give a pass, but he definitely knew about it, right? He's Dan Schneider. He's kind of a jerk. I just, I hope things change in Washington. Everything with the name, how stubborn I feel like the team is, how much of a jerk Dan Schneider is. Ron Rivera is a good guy. He's the coach now. Jack Del Rio is a pretty good guy. Um, I hope they find a way to turn it around over there. I just think that's disgusting. That that type of behavior should never happen, not only in the NFL but in any workplace. It really shouldn't. It's really disgusting. Like I said, these women in sports are already have to do with so much nonsense from stupid a-holes that think that you know women can't play sports or women can't talk about sports, which is stupid. Like I know so many women at my school who, that women in general, like my mom even or my girlfriend, who knows so much about sports. Like, my girlfriend was, like, a star volleyball player in high school. She was so good. And, like, you're going to say that women can't play sports or can't talk about sports? Shut up. Shut up. It's stupid. Come on. Like, what? You're Are you mad because a girl knows more than you about sports? Like, dude, come on. It doesn't, like, I don't I don't get it. I, I really don't understand that mentality. Um if anything, I mean, I'm happy. Like, when my girlfriend mentioned something about sports, like, the other day, she was like, oh, it's Luke Voigt. He looks like he lost weight. He looks good. I was like, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know she knew that because, like, she doesn't really follow baseball as closely as I do. Um, but I was like, wow, you actually know, which is awesome. Like, that's cool. When you have when you have somebody to talk about sports with and you're getting all different perspectives on sports from all different people, that's a great thing. And I don't know why people don't like that sometimes. You know, I think one of the best things that I learned about in school so far, being at Marist, has been that sports – like, sports and society go, like, hand in hand, and you can't have society, I mean, you can't have sports without society being in it, like, I know a lot of people say, like, sports shouldn't be political, keep politics out of sports, which, that would be great, like, I would like to just be able to watch sports sometimes, and not think about politics, but that's never going to happen, just because sports are people, and people are always going to be political, and people are always going to have their views, and always going to try to share their views, and fight for change, and this and that, and whatever they believe in, so, I, I, I mean, people are always going to complain, and it's annoying and stupid, and I feel like, I hope, like I said, that there's there's a a way that they can fix this, because that sucks, and I hope Dan Schneider for once does the right thing. I mean, he changed the name, which I guess is one step forward, but I think he just knew that he was not going to get, like, once FedEx pulled out, I think that's when he was like, all right, we got to do it. See, uh, I just want to talk about this, too, actually, I'm reading this right now. Associate President and NFL player Dominique Foxworth um, talked about this, saying, who is actually going to fix this? Because Dan Snyder has demonstrated that he is incapable of fixing this problem and he might be part of the problem, which is a great point. That's what I was saying. You know, maybe he didn't know, but odds are he did know and he should have fixed the problem. Like, I don't know how stuff like this gets away in workplaces. How do you not step up and try to protect your workers? And Because to me, every time I've worked somewhere, it's been, you know, your family. Wherever you work, it's a family. That's what I feel like, for the most part. Uh, everybody I place I've worked I've worked at I've been close with the workers and I've gotten along with them and I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to any of them. I don't know how you can be in charge and let people who are under you get hurt like that. I just disgusting. It's just disgusting that stuff like this is even happening. That's the only thing I really wanted to talk about about this. There's nothing to debate really. I just think it's just wanted to share my thoughts on the matter because I didn't really get a chance to last week because I didn't do a pod. But yeah, absolutely disgusting behavior from. The Washington football team, you know, whatever that is, stupid. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they change the name. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully it's like a Native American tribe where they actually do something cultural and pay their respects to the culture of the Native Americans, so that more people can get involved in it and learn about it, or do the, something like the Tuskegee Airmen. 
the red tails. So people can learn about that too. I think that's really interesting. I think that's a cool advantage of, you know, sports is that, like I said, you know, society and sports are always the same thing. I think it's a cool advantage that you can kind of get people interested in a certain thing through sports. So an example of this, I would say, like I said, um, you know, I was saying like the Braves or if they did the Red Tails, you look it up. Even like the Ravens, right? You look up why are the Ravens called the Ravens. It's because it's named after Edgar Allan Poe, who used to write in Baltimore over the, all the time. That's where he wrote um, the, the story The Raven, which is, you know, quote The Raven, nevermore. But he wrote that in Baltimore, and then you kind of get into interested in Edgar Allan Poe. Then you might get into reading old literature, and that's cool. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I, that probably happens for a very few amount of people. But still, it's an advantage that sports has to get people interested in other things, and I think that more sports teams should try to use that. Because, I mean, I feel like already they get involved with charities and stuff and people get involved with their the charities that athletes and teams get into you know when they see their players their team helping others in the community they might decide that they want to do that too um they might look up a foundation or cause and say hey man that's something i i want to do and i think nf the the uh all teams all teams nfl baseball whatever they all have that chance to do that and to get people interested and I think that's something more and more, like I said, should try to do. Okay, let's move on to the final topic of the day, which I think is the final topic. I don't think I had any, anything else to talk about. You know, we talked about Jamal Adams. Uh, that was great. We talked about the MLB quite a bit. And I, it's too early to make predictions. I'm not going to make predictions. I think maybe next time – Because okay. Actually, I'll talk about my plan for the future of this podcast at the end. So right now, let's talk about Keenan – Keenan Allen and his tweets, man, I tell you, this was a, a crock of nonsense. Um, he, it's, it has to do with the NFL top 100. First of all, who even cares about that, right? Nobody ever gets placed where they do. It's a player vote, and sometimes I don't even know if it's a player vote. Like, it's, I feel like players would not actually vote. Uh, for example, Josh Jacobs was 72, I think. And I'm sorry, I'm just reading this tweet right now. It's so funny. And Kyler Murray was 90. Okay, first of all, Josh Jacobs should have won Rookie of the Year. Okay, but he was placed higher than Kyler Murray. And, like, does anybody really care? No. And nobody's on there saying, I mean, a couple people will say that. Like, I just said, you know, Kyler Murray somehow won Rookie of the Year because he's a quarterback and it's quarterback league. But that's a talk for a different day. This is a quarterback league and it's a bunch of nonsense that players don't get the respect they deserve. But anyway, nobody cares about the NFL Top 100. I mean, you you might watch it for fun. Like, let's say you're chilling out one night. Yeah, yeah NFL Top 100. I'll just throw it on my computer. I'll throw it on TV. We'll watch because it's, it's mostly for highlights. And you'll be like, oh, that's my player. He's, like, Top 20. That's kind of cool. Like, But who goes around about, well, uh, in the year 2015, my player was Top 20 and uh, four Raiders were in the Top 50. Like, dude, nobody cares about that. It's just stats. Like, Either your players are good or they're not good. And they, I mean, Pro Bowl, even people don't really care about the Pro Bowl. Like, how many, like, that's why I always complain sometimes about when somebody says there's a four time Pro Bowler, 12 time Pro Bowler. Like, how many times have has a player been inducted into the Pro Bowl as, like, a backup? Like, how many, let's say, like, Tom Brady is the Pro Bowler, right, but then the Super Bowl happens, or he decides to, or like, you know, the playoffs, and he decides, the, the Super Bowl, and he decides to opt out because he's doesn't want to get hurt, right, because you can't play if you're on the Super Bowl. 
And then Carson Wentz comes in. Was Carson Wentz, does he really deserve the praise? Now, this is nothing against Carson Wentz. This is just my example. But does he really deserve the praise if he's the second choice coming in? I don't know. I just, that's why the Pro Bowl thing is always to me. Like, eh. Now, if you're like a leading rusher or a leading passer in the season, that's a stat. That's a good stat right there. But a Pro Bowler, it's still good. It's still, like, important to say, like, oh, you're a Pro Bowler. It's like baseball, you know, you're an all-star. Like, it's still cool. Like, it's a cool stat to have. But, like, unless you actually put up stats and if you're a first let's say you're a first ballot pro bowler then that's that's a little bit better but yeah it's enough rambling about the pro bowl anyway <laughs> anyway Keenan Allen got all tangled up and worked up about this top 100 nonsense i think he was let me see in this thing he he's number 77 okay Keenan Allen's a good wide receiver i've never been high on him maybe it's because you know He's had Philip Rivers, who I think is garbage, um, play be his quarterback for years. Oh my God! Hold on, I got something in my eye. This is killing me right now. Oh my God! You ever got something in your eye that's like itchy and you can't, you just can't stop? That's what's going on right now. This is terrible. Oh my God! I feel like a mosquito bit inside my eyelid. Sweet Jesus! Yeah, sorry, I gotta listen to this. Okay, I feel better now. Thank you. So yeah, he was seventy-seven. This is what he said. This is what he says. This nonsense. So, first of all, he goes, he retweets. Keenan Allen makes his way on the countdown again. The Chargers wide receiver checks in at 77. He goes, starting to think I did something to somebody. I'm like, all right, fine. You could say that. That's kind of funny. But then he goes, so then there's a video the Chargers put. They're like, routes are different. Keenan Allen, 77, top 100. It's a good video. It's the video clip from the top 100. And he goes, okay, I'm tired of biting my tongue. Cheetah, as in, you know, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. So this is what's funny. He tagged the wrong person. He meant to say Chris Godwin, and he puts Chris Goodwin. And if you look at Chris Goodwin, it's like some random some random dude on a quad when he really meant to tag Chris Godwin. He's so stupid. Um, and he goes, and the list goes on. Uh, okay, so just continue. I'm just gonna read it one more time. So okay, I'm tired of biting my tongue. Tyler, Terry Kill, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and the list goes on, are not a better receiver than me. Faster than me every day of the week, but separation, child, please, dude, shut up. Who cares about the NFL top 100? And then he proceeds to keep going and keep going, and he goes, I'm the best wide receiver in the AFC West without question. Okay, first of all. Let's talk about the receivers in the AFC West, okay? One of them, the, the Broncos don't have, like, any receivers. Let's just get that out of the way. They used to have Emmanuel Sanders, and they got rid of him. They have nobody. That's why they had to draft people this year. They What, they get KJ Hamler and uh, Jerry Judy, right? Yeah. Okay. Then, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's good, okay? You might be – I don't think he's better than Tyreek Hill. I don't like Tyreek Hill at all. Um, but Tyreek Hill is just so fast. It's ridiculous. And Chris Godwin's really fast. Chris Godwin, I think a lot of people were high on him the past like year or so. He's, he's good. He's whatever. So uh, some of the players actually responded to this. Uh, I got to see if I could find the one that uh, Mike – okay, Chris Godwin goes, oh, shit, LOL. Don't swear, sweat it, G. Chris Goodwin ain't better than me either. So that, that, was, that was probably my favorite response because Chris Godwin came right at him and was like, bro, you're too stupid to even tag the right person. 
And then Mike Evan goes, you tagged the wrong Chris Godwin, LOL. Don't be mad at us. We ain't make the rankings or care about him. I like the confidence, but be realistic. You're not on my level, bro. Ooh. That's true. I don't think Keenan – I think Mike Evans – even though I think sometimes they get a little too – both of these players get a little too much praise that they don't deserve. But I think Mike Evans is probably better than Keenan Allen. But Keenan Allen, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're talking nonsense on Twitter over the NFL Top 100. Now, anybody should have been, man, like I said, it should have been somebody like Josh Jacobs for Rookie of the Year. Now, if a player lost Rookie of the Year and they were like neck and neck to be like Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, Most Improved Players, Comeback Player of the Year, something. And then they said, oh, man, like, this is stupid. Then that's, a, I guess, a more valid argument. But the top 100, what a waste of energy. What a waste of a thing to complain about. Say NFL top 100, dude. Jesus Christmas. Come on. Come on. I, don't, I, I, think, I do think Mike Evans is better, though. I think Tyreek Hill is kind of probably better. And then Chris Godwin, he's all right. He's probably on the same level as Keenan Allen. I, I don't think Keenan Allen's that great. He gets a little too much praise sometimes. I think there are a lot of better wide receivers out there. Keenan Allen's probably top 15. Maybe top 10, if you're really thinking about it. Julio's obviously up there. DeAndre Hopkins, top two, probably in my book. AB, when he was good, when he was actually like not losing his his mind and acting like an idiot, he was up there. But yeah, Keenan Allen, man, acting like an absolute fool on Twitter. Acting like an absolute fool. Yeah, who cares about NFL Top 100? Like I said, Pro Bowl, who cares? Who cares about the preseason? I just want to watch football again, and I want it to be back safely if they can figure out a way to do that. Hopefully, what I'm hoping they do is follow, see what the MLB is doing, and they're like, right, yeah, let's not do that. Let's just do the complete opposite, and let's do it safer. Although, I want to know how the other MLB teams are doing. I think they're doing fine, right? Now, if, let's say like the Pirates get it, the Blue Jays get it, the Yankees get it, the Mets get it, uh, the Padres get it, like a bunch of teams get it, then I'd be like, all right, all right, all right. We, gotta, we gotta do a bubble now. But so far, there's just one team. Thank God. But in the coming weeks, we shall see. And we'll see if more players from the NFL opt out. So today, what I mostly wanted to talk about was the COVID-19 stuff and how the Washington football team now has changed their name. I think what I'm going to try to do with this show, so let me talk about the future of this podcast real quick. Now that I have a mic, I have a better system of doing this. I will be going back to school soon. But I'm thinking now that sports are back, I might try to do this show weekly, whether it be Friday, uh, Monday. I'm, I'm thinking Mondays. Now, I'm already a day late, but in the future, for future reference, I might try to do Mondays. Or actually, I might try to do Tuesday, so like today. So I'm filming this right now on Tuesday, but I probably won't get it out until like Friday because I have to – I'm going to do this Jamal Adams segment with my friend hopefully, So which is – you know. So that, that's why when I said that, you know, more reports came out today, I'm really talking about Tuesday. Just heads up on that. That's my bad slip of the tongue. I'm just thinking today. For the future, I'm probably going to do, I'm thinking Tuesday, especially when the NFL comes back, because that gives us time to do a week, and we can get in Thursday, uh, Sunday, and Monday games. Yeah, and that'll be like a complete week, and we can have it fresh right off the bat. Monday, uh, Tuesday, fire up the show. I'll even probably pre-record some stuff Monday night and then post it up on Tuesday. So that's how it's looking for the future. I'm, I'm thinking as long as the guest thing goes well with Sean, uh, the Seahawks expert himself, as long as that went well, which hopefully it does. I'm talking about, I'm recording this before I do it. 
as long as that all goes well, I'm going to try to do more and more guests in the future. I think that's a fun way to spice it up instead of just hearing me ramble the whole time. Uh, I'll try to get some, I have a lot of friends who love sports. I'll try to get some UFC people on here that I know, some MLB people I know. And I think it's going to get more into sports talk, but we're going to talk about society too. We're going to talk about sports and society because they go hand in hand. And so next week, maybe I'm thinking, because I didn't really do um, speculations this week as for like what teams I think will do what. Maybe I'll do that next week. I think this week too, I think I'm going to try to do a piece on the Yankees and maybe Giancarlo Stanton. I kind of want to talk about Stanton. And Gary Sanchez is horrible. I just want to say that. I don't. I hate Gary Sanchez. But I might talk about Stanton and I might talk about the MLB. We'll see. But everybody who's here, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, keep an eye out. I'm going to try to make this weekly. I'm going to try to have more guests, uh, especially when sports comes back. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. A lot, lot more to talk about. Like I said, now that sports are back weekly, that's why I haven't really made one in a long time because all the reports have been the same, all that kind of stuff. Like I did a piece in the MLB. But the best, besides the MLB, there hasn't really been much sports news. But NBA is going to come back. NHL is coming back. They're going to be in the playoffs. MLB is going to get further and further into the season, hopefully, without postponing. And there's going to be a really cool UFC coming up, which is going to be Cormier versus... Sorry, I don't remember who else it was. But anyway, it's going to be really fun to watch. So that's going to be all great stuff coming along, coming along very soon. So stay tuned, like I said. And for those of you who listen, thanks a whole lot. Hopefully this podcast is getting better. Got a mic now. Going to try to edit this all up. It's going to take some time, and it's going to take some practice, but it's going to be something good. I, I can feel it. I can feel it. So thanks for hanging out with me today on the couch with the Couch Coach. I'll see you again soon. Ciao.